This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> I'll give you a choice. I could put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. You maniacs! What is a man? When we are successful, we will be. We have a real chance at this. New world order. Why, in 1975, we pulled our troops out of Vietnam? The failure of Vietnamization to impart their support caused an ongoing erosion of confidence in the various American but illegal Saigon regimes. Is she right? Because I know that's the popular version of what went on there. I know a lot of people like to believe that. I wish I could, but I was there. I wasn't here in the classroom, hoping I was right, thinking about it. I was up to my knees in rice paddies with guns and work going up against Charlie, slugging it out with him, while pussies like you were back here partying, putting headbands on, doing drugs, listening to my goddamn Beatle albums. Ah! Ah! Hey, hey, Professor, take it easy, will you? I mean, these kids, they were in grade school at the time. And me, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. Well, well, I didn't know you wanted to get involved with the discussion, Mr. Helper. But since you want to help, maybe you can help me, okay? You remember that thing we had about 30 years ago called that Korean conflict? Yeah, where we failed to achieve victory. How come we didn't cross the 38th parallel and push those rice eaters back to the Great Wall of China and take the first brick, brick, brick and new them back into the fucking Stone Age River? How come? Tell me why? Say it! Say it! All right, I'll say it. Because Truman was too much of a pussy wimp to let MacArthur go in there and blow out those commie bastards! Good answer. Good answer. I like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. <laughs> A good teacher. He really seems to care about what I have no idea. And this is episode 56 of Behind the Schemes for August 2nd. Wow. We made it to August. <laughs> I'm Boo Berry, Mothman yeah. of the Miniocalypse. <laughs> Yes, indeed, we did make it to August, and uh, my name, uh, coming all the way over here from a dystopian left coast, is Lavish, and yeah, it's uh, it's already August. Yeah, I I looked down, and I was confirming the date, and that completely <laughs> just ripped out of my mind whatever quip that I was going to start the show off with. So here we are. Yeah, well, you know. It's all, it's the most important stuff that rises to the top, right? 
I keep seeing this meme. I've heard it in a couple of places. I'm seeing it on different forums and different areas of the internet. Uh, this whole idea that time is getting faster. Mm-hmm. Life is getting faster. Uh, I just, I thought, I thought that was interesting, but maybe it was one of those things where if you hear about it and then all of a sudden you start seeing it everywhere. Right. Yeah, or just the simple fact that as you get older, time goes faster. Yes. Because you have more of a reference in your mind. You know, five years isn't as much as it was, you know, when you're 20, when you're 10, when you're 30, 40. Five years changes as you get older. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's it's hard to say. And I would agree, though. I mean, it feels just like time just whips by now. It really does. There was a great quote I heard uh, was uh, at like a, a college, you know, graduation ceremony or something. Somebody said, the days are long, but the years are short. I think that's true. Well, to kick this party off, I, I got our tarot card for tonight ready to rock and roll. Hot, hot. Uh, we ended up with the Cavalier Day Coupe. The Knight of Cups from the Tarot de Marcel, riding on his elegant blue horse, he followed the path that had been guided by the hovering cup over his right hand on our left side. The road of love has reached the end. It will now become a solid power. This can be missionary work, a humanitarian mission, a person who comes to ask for forgiveness and wishes to correct his mistake, a good deed or a sincere love. It may also be a saint who puts himself in the service of the world, builds a monastery, or becomes a healer. The green room's kind of like a monastery. It can be at times. Uh, the Cavalier de Coup is the most feminine of the writers, but that does not mean he is weak. It simply means that he is connected with his intuition and emotions and uses them wisely in his romantic quest. He is charming and attractive to everyone, men and women, and expresses a romantic and poetic vision of life in a unique way. This writer also turns to his emotions to know how to direct life. This person is dominated by the heart rather than the head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a certain... There's, there's a very specific cultural uh, reaction you get to a knight. A knight is something that's it's kind of a very strong sort of image in Western culture, and it's something that reflects itself, as we know, in no agenda, because... Uh, being a knight and no agenda is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that a lot of people want to be. People want to be knights. They want to be knighted. And they, just the idea of a knight is interesting to me because it represents somebody who is, from a class perspective, somebody who is, you know, pretty well off, but is born into it, but still has to work very, very hard, regardless of the fact that they are born into a quote-unquote wealthy class. And then on top of that, because of their means, they don't have to worry about trivial things like survival. They can worry about lofty, idealistic things. And they can be the bridge between the muck and the divine, as it were, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, kind of, you know, st- kind of stepping into noblemen. Yeah, it's the in-between. It's the connection between you know, the, the king who has absolutely no idea what's going on really on the street and is never you know, really had to work in the same way that other people have to work and then normal people. And uh, the night is, is what's in between and uh, is always trying to kind of cross between those two realms. It's a very interesting card, Knight of Cups. And then Cups, 
obviously is it's bringing something, it's carrying something. It's it oftentimes represents wealth, but it can mean it can mean charm. It could mean uh, art. It could mean sensitivity. It could mean peace. It could mean all kinds of things. The cup could be carrying something, but it is it is generally virtuous. And it's generally something that you need, something that rejuvenates you, something that that gives you wind under your wings. And the night is the is sort of the the really cool person to give that to you. <laughs> when you get the cup from the night, that's that's a special day. And uh, Abel Kirby in the chat room just dropped uh, cups can represent kinship. That whole, that whole idea of being at the round table, you know, it's mutton and mead. Mm-hmm. Mead, a liquid, and a cup. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, cups, you know, cups are one of the most important symbols ever in humanity. And so a cup can represent all kinds of things. It can also represent what protects your junk during a sporting event. Yes. Such as football or baseball. And you could probably still pull it off and... Use it as a cup. Uh, maybe most of them have uh, holes in them. Uh, well, a lot of them do. At least the cheap ones do. They're like, I think they repurpose the uh, wiffle balls. Oh, like if you've ever seen those, you know the the really high quality ones that are really tough. That it takes the dogs like five or six times rather than one time to screw it up. Uh, if you get a good wiffle ball, then they just like recraft that into. I would imagine. The, the gear that you use to protect your junk. I mean, it's a, it only makes sense. And right here is the only place that you'll be able to catch the hottest conspiracies of 2021. <laughs> We're getting behind all the schemes, people. Not just the big ones, all of them, okay? The, the schemes are the schemes, all right? That's what we're here to do. I, uh, I like this quote here at the end of the article. Um, so I'll bust this one, and then uh, we'll wrap tarot up. While the Knight of Wands and the Knight of Swords rode on a male horse, I and the Knight of Pentacles rode on an elegant female horse. I am not controlling my horse. I do not need to do that. With my arms wide open, I pursue my symbol, the cup. I did not hold it in my hand. On the contrary, it is hovering in the air and leading us. It is a cup where spring of love flourishes. This love led me, and I did not know where I was going. I kept following it with no doubt that it would take me to my awareness, the cleanest moment. Talent flows naturally. I do not force myself to find the right path. I do not call my courage to overcome my limits. What I do is simply follow. I give away what I receive. My only desire is to be aware of this endless talent, and I am investing in it to survive so that I, uh, so, so that I can continue to serve it. This is when I, while blessing the world, step into the kingdom of human life, of pinnacles, of need and material. Mm. Yeah. It, it implies a, a discarding of the material in order to, to pursue the romantic or the ideal or the, or the righteous or the just. Whatever, whatever the night is focused on, right? Indubitably. Uh, and if you would like to focus on this tarot card with us tonight, you can always find that image and the link in our show notes, which is Zosa's Beautiful Corner. show notes. Beautiful, I, I'm beautiful happy show with notes. This one. I'm really happy They're with gorgeous. this one. They're gorgeous. They keep getting better and better. They were beautiful in the beginning, and they're just getting better. So if you 
I mean, they always talk about show notes on these other shows. These show notes look good. They're like candy for your eyes. Check them out. Indubitably. And that's zososcorner.substack.com. Z-O-S-O-S corner.substack.com. You can also find them in the chat room and in the topic of the hashtag green room on zero node. You can go to our website behind the schemes.com SCH3M3S. Click on that green room tab, punch in a nickname. Doesn't even have to be your real name. And then you're in it's, it's literally that easy. I think that the people that use their real names are like psychos. I just I can't believe it. <laughs> like Sir Spencer, like what a, what a badass to just be like, yeah, my name's Spencer. Fuck you. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, you can have a fake name. Yeah. You can have multiple fake names. You can log in on three different devices. Sometimes after a couple of years, people change their name. And they're like, I don't want to be this person anymore. I want to be a different name. And then they change their name. And you know what? So far, everybody I've seen really just accepts that and just goes with it. It's really a laissez-faire type situation here, people. The... Uh and if you want to hang out with the rest of the Freaks of Hazard that help produce this show that are in our green room tonight, um, they're there. Come be with us. It's a good time. Uh, I, I, I think we should go ahead and shout out uh, producers, Freaks of Hazards. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a full bag for tonight. I, I really dig, dig that. Uh, mm. My sister, and we'll just call her Kitty Tarleton for now. That's a, that's a name I know that she's used in the past. Uh, sent in a $50 birthday check to which then I asked her, hey, can I just do- redonate this to the show? And she's like, yeah, that's fine. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Sister Barry. And then Servo uh, not only bumped me up into the legion of hella hex chads, uh, with getting up uh, Hex Chat, uh, Cotton Gin helped out too. He also came in with 0.00055 Bitcoin. And it says BTS, so obviously, if you're looking at the show notes, you could tell what was on my mind when I wrote that. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like, ah, I gotta. Nah, nah, nah. I was almost like, is that the ticker? That's not the ticker. It's BTC, is the ticker. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, almost. Very close. Uh, so close. <laughs> but thank you so much, uh, Servo. That's very, very kind. Servo uh, is one of these individuals who who has changed names in the past. Uh, when I first met him, he was known as DeWadnam, and now he's Servo. And uh, he's, he's moved up in the human anatomy. And he is a fine scholar and a gentleman, and for this week's episode, he is our... Uh, was it a scream lord, scream king, scream he's king? Our, yeah, he's our scream king. I think uh, every week, I don't know, it'd be fun to have like a scream king or a scream queen. Have somebody who's just like, thank you so much. You you do so much for the show. Obviously, great shout out to your sister though for the fifty dollar check. That's very kind of her as well. Hell yeah! Uh, we also had. The bowlers come through, Sir Spencer and Dame DeLorean, with a eleven dollar and eleven cent donation. One of my favorite numbers. One 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 one. Uh, came through PayPal, and they had a quick little note: "Happy birthday, boobs! Hope you have a wonderful celebration to kick off the start of your fourth decade on the Earth this time around. Thank you for your courage and keep poking holes in them schemes, Sir Spencer and Dame DeLorean." Oh, that's really nice. Love those guys. So Spencer, DeLorean, the uh, 
the masters of the Kansas City territories. And if you ever are in, in that part of the world, go to one of those meetups. I hear they're pretty fun. Ones for the books. Yeah. Uh, I did check out uh, all three episodes of Ablecraft today that he's doing with Abel Kirby. Very mm-hmm. cool concept. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens with it. Excellent. Uh, what is the concept? It's essentially decentralizing, uh, and I'm going to fuck this up. I know it. But it's the idea of decentralizing um, like record labels, essentially, where you, you put the power of holding your material into the hands of the mm. artist. Oh, well, that's you, fantastic. Then you stream. I love that. Yeah, directly to the... Uh, I keep wanting to call them creators, but I think at that point they'd be more artists, you know? It's, uh, yeah, it's um, the, the fletchings of a music platform of some manner. Uh, or, or just some sort of distribution community or network or something. I mean, that'd be incredible. It's a uh, podcast index meets music, like mm. a record label, but not a record label. <laughs> Beautiful. I suggest well, I suggested to Sir Spencer if uh, <laughs> if they're looking for a name, podcasting tune point oh. <laughs> tune point oh. Oh, I love puns and I loved that. And I shouldn't. Most people wouldn't love that, but I love it. I love that. That's fantastic. Hell yeah. It'll never go. It'll never fly in this town. We gotta start talking like record executives. That's a that's it'll never work. Yeah, yeah. We talked about the record industry in our uh, episode 47, Chirac Punk. And we here in Behind the Schemes definitely don't support major record labels and, and no, the musical no. industrial complex. Not That's at all. That's very true. Not at all. Sometime I'll have to get my facts straight about how the, uh, the touring money works for sending out artists because usually they're just getting all the money from the production for the production on loan from the record labels and then all that money has to get paid back at some point. Mm. It's very, sketchy. I would love, I'd love to read a contract. You know what I downloaded once is Kanye's contract. Mm-hmm. Like two years ago, uh, he, he went kind of bonkers and he went on Twitter and he published his whole contract and I saved it and it's somewhere. I haven't gone through all of it, but if you actually had the time, and you and you had the the effort and the patience to go through it all. You probably learned some really astonishing intricacies about the music industry, and I mean about the the highest level, right? You're talking about Kanye, and then you imagine how much worse it is for normal bands, you know? Yeah, uh, there's actually a really good Dave Brocky quote. He's the guy that played Odorous Urungus. Uh, he he's got a whole video talking about how that money kind of flows in and around from the label to the artist and then back to the label. Mm-hmm. And that's why, so that's why merch is so expensive because that's where the oh, yeah. money's coming from. $40 for a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No agenda's talked about that, about their merch. It's like it, it, to make it profitable, you got to make it expensive. It's just so expensive to produce and distribute uh, custom clothing. And merchandise. I know, because I'm in a band, and I try to make merchandise for my band. I, I love that these guys are doing that, though. That's great. Uh, Abel Craft uh, with Abel Kirby and Sir Spencer, who are both 
musicians. And um, Fletcher is a musician. I consider myself a musician. Yeah, we got a lot should, of musicians. You should uh, maybe get up with them if uh, if you got some time. I could. I could oh, we've cool. talked about it. Spencer and I have talked about it in the past. Fletcher too. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's the general thing. You're right. There's a big talent pool here, and then there's a lot of people who send in all these end of show mixes and stuff. I mean, they're obviously very talented too. There's a lot of a lot of musical talent uh, within not a lot of degrees of separation in this community. And um, a lot of musicians that have good heads on their shoulders as well, which is quite the twofer. Uh, There is another talented individual that I'd like to quick shout out. And uh, I'd like to shout him out for his incredible no-scoping ability. Sir, 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 seat, 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 was a fucking champion. And he went out. And he got bad radio dot live, which is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like to see that URL redirect to our show. I love it. I'm, I'm fucking lit about it. That, that yeah. shit is. And he just, he just left the troll room. That son of a bitch. Oh, sir. See, no, come back. <laughs> oh no, baby. Come back, baby. Come back. Uh, yeah, and, and that was based off of this meme. It was bad radio, and I can't be <laughs> I can't be happier with uh just with a, with an you know an ama- I'm I'm coming to realize that an, an amazing domain is key. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Well, this this domain is just absolutely baller. Yeah, badradio.live. That could be anything. It could be anything. It's it's the it's so generic. It's so gorgeous. Like anybody, uh, thank you, thank you so much, yeah, Sir Seat Sitter, and thank you, Abel Kirby, as well. Hell yeah, I'm 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 excited to see where this goes. So I'll be like, yeah, badradio.live, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's just another, uh, this domain thing is is starting to get kind of fun. Love it, is we lit. didn't even mean for it. Yeah. Loveislit.com. Meet us. Thank you. That's uh. right. Now we have to get loveandlit.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love and lit is the correct vernacular. That's correct, Adam. Thank you for chiming in. And thank you so much to all of our freaks of hazards. It's Kitty, Servo, Sir Spencer, Dame DeLorean, Sir Seat Sitter. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, and I I, I want to thank everybody for the warm wishes for the birthday. Really appreciate that. I'm glad that this turnaround, the sun was with such wondrous company. Mm-hmm. Some good shit. Some really good people out there. Yes, indeed. Uh, thir- <laughs> Dirty thirty, my friend. And I can't it's, wait it's to blow time. you all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one by one by fucking one. You stupid fucks! Every one of you, blow every one of you. Sorry, I got excited. I got excited. It's all good. Let's uh, let's get Bill Hicks to write us out. Do a commercial. You're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore. And uh, end of story. Uh,
you who's behind the schemes. But you'll never know who's behind the screens. Call our creep phone now and leave a screen mail. We'll play it on the show. 612263 612263SXXY. That's 612263799. Uh, and that amazing gem came from Sir Spencer. We're, we're at some point when whoever gets their next uh, voicemail rolling, you and I, we got to step up. You know what I'm saying? Step up and, and what? Give them what? what give what give them a, 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 a phone number jingle. Pass oh. it around. Yeah, pass it around yeah. with the herp, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, I, I got a couple things uh, that I've kind of been tinkering with. There's one bit that I really, really want to do that I really am inspired to write, and I was kind of ch- chipping away at it last night. Um, it's I have this idea of having a scene between Fauci and Bill Gates. Go on. Stop me if I've already told you this. No, no. But it's it, it'll be Fletcher and it'll be cold acid as, as Fauci and Bill Gates, and they've both agreed to do this. They've both agreed to do this at, at this current juncture, from what I recall. But I'm kind of working on a script where I want them to do, like, a bit where it's them just, like, hanging out in Bill Gates' house and, like, chatting about the current situation. I th- I think that they'd just be... It needs to exist. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. I don't know, but it just has to... It has to exist. Somebody has to fucking try because these guys both do very good impressions of these men. And um, I, I I just think it'd be hilarious. If anything, I'd do it for myself. And the, both these guys have gone on the record to say that if I produce this, this piece of literature for them, the script, that uh, they, they might oblige me. So we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Fingers double, triple crossed, my friend. I mean, if you want to get our toes in across tonight, you can call 612-263-7999 and leave a scream mail. You can scream. You can answer why. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's there's no limit to what we're looking for. You can chip in on any of these topics that we're going to discuss or have discussed. We're going to, if you want to, if you want to say that we're wrong about something, call in and say that we're wrong. You say that we're right would be preferable, but. You know, whatever you're in the mood for. And I personally, for one, would like to hear, I would like to hear a top-tier Sam Kinison scream. So if anyone's out there listening, you got that in you, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what you got. You know, behind the schemes, we like screams. And Dude. if you can dream it, you can scream it. Hey, see... You're a fucking idea man, man. No, you're an idea man, man. No, oh, man, man. You're the... Oh. Shut uh, the <laughs> no, you shut the fuck I'm up. I will fucking... Oh, God. Fuck. Anyway. Do you want to do, you wanna do uh, one short one before we get started? Oh, yes. Absolutely. This one looks... could be. It could be fun. The following announcement been paid for by the New World Order. 
Well, that's uh, another one for the soundboard. <laughs> Engage. Uh, good shit. 612-263-SEXY-SXXY. The New World Order is a real fucking thing, man. Yeah, even our, our, even our fucking... Uh, our intro. Our, yeah, and and the creep, uh, Crypt Keeper Otis, Crypt Keeper of the United States of America. Mm-hmm, He's been mm-hmm. on record. He's in that little montage. Oh, God. He's been at the center of some of just the worst things that have ever happened in, to this country. Yeah, well, Things he, that will go down. You know what? There's not a single piece of news in our show notes tonight about that fucking flesh bag. So I'm not That's even, right. I'm not even going to worry. We're about We're not going to talk about him. We talked about him a lot the other night when we had Derek on from the Double Thought Dimension podcast on Very episode cool 54 or 55. It was 54. Yeah, 54. Uh, that was with him, and he uh, he was great. And we listened to it. We bashed the shit out of that. That guy, so we won't do that this time. So we in, got other stuff to talk about. So instead, I'm gonna circle back just for Are a hot gonna... second. Just for a hot second, I did a misinformed nation episode with Sir Spencer, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I will have that linked in the show notes as well. Please check it out. That was probably mm. two of my most favorite hours having done a show. It, it, it was a great conversation. Um, I'm about. 30, 45 minutes into it and catching up. Very cool. It was it was one of those shows that was uh, very reinvigorating. Mm-hmm. Get us back on the right track. Uh, the two of you guys together are dynamic. I think that, that Sir Spencer uh, really has a, a fantastic intuition, and he uh, really has a great, I think, sense of direction as to it's not he doesn't even mean to he's just he's just doing what he wants to do but what he does and and his ideas that he has on bowl after bowl which you can find every tuesday night uh at uh nine o'clock central i mean you guys you the both of you and then of course i talk to you and you 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 drag me through the fucking muck because you have all kinds of really great ideas about stuff going on that i have no idea about and then when you tell me about them then i go and i look it all up and i'm like wow this is cool you know and it just it goes on and on, and and uh, the two of you together is is really a, I think a healthy thing. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to catching up on that episode. And I, I don't mean to blow smoke up here, but I I caught the end of it, and it seemed like everybody who was in the chat room was really enjoying the show. So uh, I look forward to that. Hell yeah! It's uh, it was a lot of fun getting to the show. We're gonna try something a little new tonight. Do you mm-hmm. have the thing ready? I have the thing ready. I'm gonna. So, yeah. I'm gonna let you pick first, or uh, sorry, I want to let you choose your weapon. Well, let's see. Um, are we gonna do straight numbers? Or are we gonna do evens and odds? I'm gonna say straight numbers because I don't know what evens and odds are. Well, evens and odds would just be to to you'd pick evens or odds, and then I'd get the other. Oh, I see. But uh, I don't know. I could. I got this twenty here. Let's let's go big home. Or let's go let's go big. Let's go big. Okay. Uh, so currently, yeah, go for it. We have decided to try a new tactic tonight to add mm-hmm. a little flair, a little spizz, spizzazz, spizzazz to this production. It's a very technical term. 
what we're about to do is Lavish and I are both holding a single D20 dice. Mm-hmm. Now this die, it can change from week to week, just depending on what we're feeling. Because mm-hmm. we've got the full spread. We've got plenty of dice to choose from, different kinds. Now, do uh, do we want to say um, winner goes first or winner goes second? Do you want first, uh, second half a show or second, second half a show? Uh, I, I don't know. Winner goes first, I guess. All right. Winner goes first. Uh, highest, uh, highest roll. Okay, highest roll. Yep, I'm shaking. I'm shaking. I'm shaking. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Oh shit! All right, I got a, I got a fourteen. I got a twenty. Oh, a net twenty. Uh, you know what a net twenty should be? Is you get to choose whatever the fuck you want to do. If you want to go first or last, but I mean, you can call it. You, you, I mean, the rules would be you go first because that's what we agreed upon. But a nat twenty. I mean, you always have to make something go for a nat twenty. The nat twenty is fantastic. You always have to have a little fun with a nat twenty. Oh man, I just I, I wasn't prepared for all this pressure so early out the gate. The first time we ever rolled dice and you roll <laughs> a nat twenty, how fantastic! And a knight of cups. Holy shit! Holy the full moon shit, too. You got- I should go to the casino right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and take an extra long intermission tonight. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us, everybody. You've been listening to Behind the Scheme. See you later. Yeah, loveislit.com. Uh, yeah, see ya. Uh, that's that's super funny. Um, I You know, maybe I'll think of something by the time we hit intermission, but I want to go ahead and hit you with something that's kind of local to your area. I think you can manage it within a couple of hours. Uh, have we talked yes. about the Winchester Mansion? We've mentioned it in passing, yeah. So, And you're right, it's not too far from me. This is, if there's anyone that's unfamiliar with it, it's this sprawling house, mansion, uh, with 160 rooms, and it's 24,000 square feet built in, or they started Massive. building it. Yeah, it's, I've been there. It's, it's huge. Massive. Uh, they started construction on it in 1886, but uh, Sarah Winchester, heir to the Winchester uh, Firearm Company, um, she felt that she was being haunted by the spirits of those slayed by the rifles. Mm-hmm. And she thought if she built this house and never stopped construction on it and built all of these doors to nowhere, staircases that lead to nothing these like um these rooms that just give you the runaround that she could essentially trap the spirits that were uh that were haunting her and as far as i'm aware i don't think they stopped maybe they stopped it for a day or two but from 1886 to 1922 it was always under construction Mm -hmm. the reason i bring it up is (laughs) this is such a dumb story but the estate announced it will conduct a theatrical paranormal investigation and uh, adventure from September 10th to October 31st. Hmm. Uh, during the paranormal investigation. Well, excuse me. It's a theatrical. Oh, so they're explicitly saying that it's just a big show. Uh, they had, where was it? 
Uh, oh, here it is. During the, quote, Lost in the House tour, guests will be guided through the dark and dizzying hallways of the estate. While there will be special some special effects for Halloween, the 40-bedroom house has plenty of its own architectural haunts, like a seance room and the spiderweb window with 13 blue and amber stones. In fact, the number 13 is frequently used in the house, including the 13 stair risers from, uh, that lead into the bathroom with 13 windows and 13 glass cupolas. Interesting. In the greenhouse. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. The, the Winchester family is... That, that house is just so fucking... The, the doors to nowhere. and I mean, that, that gun, the Winchester... For those who aren't aware, is such a important gun in American culture. I mean, just the um, it, the lever action rifle that you always see in like westerns, you know, like a cowboy fighting uh, anybody. If if they have like a really solid like lever action rifle, that is like the Winchester. That's the Winchester rifle. That's the and then in the Civil War as well, the Winchester was massive. So. This heiress, yeah, really weighed heavily on her. I mean. <laughs> yeah, with the slaughter that was the Civil War. Yeah, it was such a slaughter. I've been doing, I think I told you already, but I've been doing all this uh, research on Ulysses S. Grant and uh, to come see Sherman, uh, the great generals, the great military leaders of the Civil War, and just kind of, really going in depth on like what they did and who they were and, and what their contributions were to the, to everything and how they've contributed to American military since. And God, it's just fascinating. I mean, you go so deep into it. It's so such a complicated conflict, but at the same time, so simple. Ah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to get off track. The, uh, I'd been there before. Um, they were getting ready to film the movie, when I had showed up, so they didn't allow any pictures on the inside. But my point was, you're going to have set decorators come through anyways, and nothing's going to look the same. So what does it really matter? What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. So I know that I have some pictures of the exterior. Metis, if you catch this, and if you haven't brought it up for Fun Fact Friday, this would be a really cool topic. Uh, I kind of looked through their show. I searched it on my podcast player and I didn't see any mention of it. So if I, if I missed it, I apologize and I will check it out as soon as possible. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And if anybody's ever in that neighborhood wants to check it out, I mean, it's a, it's a very popular attraction in California. Everybody knows about it. So it makes sense that they would be doing something like this. It's like, a, it's probably just a desperate money move. Nobody's, <laughs> Think about of all the things that you're going to go to during the pandemic. I'm sure the Winchester Mansion is the last thing you want to go to. Uh, would you be interested in going through this uh, "quote unquote" cold read real quick? Well, not real quick. <laughs> we don't. We Which don't. cold read is that? Uh, it is the new rules from corporate for ghosts. <laughs> oh yes, I'd love to. <laughs> That sounds wonderful. This is so goofy. I don't know. I was kind of in on like a, I'm tired of talking about stupid shit. So I'm going to, I'm going to laugh at some just dumb shit. Have some, have a good time. Not get triggered. Yeah, I'll get triggered. So, uh, how about we split it up three and three? Uh, uh, 
is is it this link here? That's uh, uh, where's the cold read? It's under <laughs> back channel. It's under the back channel. It's under the back channel. There we go. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. I okay. Guess it, I guess it's not much of a cold read if it's just laying out there in the in the public. It's like a poem. It is kind of. I thought I thought it was fun. It's this is an article from the New Yorker by Brian Frazier. It was written recently, and it seems to be like a little poem. Yeah, let's go for it. Your shift begins when a human sees you, not when you arrive in their home. When do you want to alternate? Uh, yeah, sure. When you scare somebody, you can no longer say "boo." Our trademark for that expired. Instead, try say "woohoo" or "yowza." No more groaning. It makes you seem old. All horrifying sounds must be executed in the correct order. From now on, it's creaky floors, then slamming doors. Henceforth, you will need a vaccine passport to go between Earth and the Neverworld. I take back what I said. You take back what you said? What did you take back? What did you say? You leave me open the open. Sheeted ghosts, please keep the thread count under 200. Our budget is tight. After walking through a closet door to frighten a person, please refrain from criticizing their wardrobe. No close-up magic. We, we've been uh, getting way too many complaints. Um, if you are contacted by a medium, you need to enter the encounter through the Google Doc. Oh, no, this is a Google ad. This is a native Google ad. Promotions will no longer be contingent on seniority and will be al- allocated on how much did you scare the shit out of people basis. Uh, no more selling ghost merch, no Hamlet outlets, no Patrick Swayze ceramics, no ghosts at Christmas past, bike chains. We've kind of realized that it dilutes our brand. If you are exercised, you will re- receive only 40% of your annual salary. Uh, no selfies with the person you're trying to frighten the bejesus out of. Sick days and Halloween will no longer be permitted. Sorry, but that's our peak scary time. Suck it up. Be sick in November. No more aftershave or perfume. It seriously minimizes the element of surprise. Vaping pens no longer reimbursed on expense accounts. No more telecommuting. telecommuting. The haunting via Zoom experiment was a dud. Failure to adhere to new mandates will result in a trip to HR, and it is fucking way scarier up there. This fucking New Yorker. See, they dropped the ball right there. They should have said failure to adhere to new mandates will result in a trip down to HR. See, look at all the people that quit out of the green room, right? Because if we were reading the New Yorker, these guys were just like, ah, these, this New York poetry. You know, it used to be Bob Dylan, and now it's this. Hey, it's a Minnesota boy. Is it? Yeah, Bob Dylan. New Yorker? No, 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 Bob Dylan's from Minnesota. Oh, Bob, Robert Zimmerman's from Minnesota. Bob Dylan's from New York. Oh, well. Jeebus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Lordy, lordy. That's funny. Well, ghosts. And it's, and it's August. You know, it's starting to become a spooky season. Getting ready for it. It is. I'm pumped. I don't know what we're going to do for Halloween, but that's going to be fucking peak primo me time. <laughs> I'm going to be. I'm going to go as an unvaccinated person for Halloween. Oh, do you want to? Oh God, do you have that uh, photo handy? I should have dropped that one in the show notes as well. Which one's that? From the brewery. That- oh God, I do have that picture handy. Uh, 
I think I, well, I posted on No Agenda Social. So I will go on to No Agenda Social. And I will provide it to the chat room currently and allegedly. Um, I have it here. And I don't know if we want to go as far to name the bar. Um, but they posted it on their own personal Instagram. So, I mean, they, they're open to it. And we're not trying to, like, instigate anything against them. I mean, you know, but, but this is a... a this is a, a plaque that's on a bar that's in Oakland, California, which is just outside of San Francisco. And it says, to accommodate anti-maskers. And by the way, this is a reflective plaque. It says, to accommodate anti-maskers, we have provided this space away from everyone else, where you can stare at your reflection, since apparently you're the only person you care about. <laughs> And then, uh, and then the little caption underneath says, "The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one," <clears throat> which insinuates that what they're doing is actually helping people, which it isn't. Uh, but okay, sure. Being uh, rude to strangers is always the the key to social improvement. Yes, I agree. Thank you. But if you ask them if they're going to set up separate water stations uh, <laughs> between the vaccinated yes. and the unvaccinated, they're going to tell you race isn't a choice, but stupidity is. And then you get to thinking, well, what are the actual numbers of the unvaccinated? And it turns out <laughs> it's the mo- mostly the huge, quote, black and brown community, unquote. Yeah, no shit. I mean, it's like 23 and 24% of the total population has received their full vaccination. Mm, is that it? Yeah, I, I, had, I had the links up earlier. I can. Either way. Maybe. It, it's, somewhere ball, it's somewhere you in that can, ballpark. Not corroborate. You can, whatever. You can confirm that in the notes. But, you know, that's, that's the issue that I've had a lot of being from where I'm from. I'm from an area where there's a lot of different kinds of cultures and stuff, but you, you you don't have to interact with them, you know, if you don't want to or you, you're in a position to not. But it's like these people don't actually know other kinds of people. These These people that want to, you know, stand up for black people or Latino people or Asian people. The problem is, is they don't actually really know any <laughs> and they aren't friends with any they didn't grow up with them they didn't interact with them you know like i think one of the most dynamic things that can improve you as an adult is just the crazy shit that you experience as a kid going to your friend's house if you ever go to a friend's house as a kid and you get exposed to somebody else's home and somebody else's home life and somebody else's you know you really get a peek into like how they truly truly live and when you do that with Filipino people and black people and Mexican people and Korean people and Japanese people and Chinese people, and you do that in white people and poor white people, and you know, it's like you do all of that as a kid, then you really get acquainted with what you know people really do. And so much of this sentiment just comes from I don't even know why I brought into racism because it, it blends into this the same people that. Try to be good people in the name of something, but they're actually the opposite of, of what they want to be. 
And it's the same thing with this anti-masker thing. These people really think that they're trying to do a good thing. Somebody spent all this money and made this plaque and really thought that they were doing a good thing by doing this. I when, just in wa- fact, they're evil. <laughs> I just want to know if the guy that made the plaque was feeling like he was doing the right thing or not. They, they do. They do feel that they're doing the right thing. Well, I will say we don't know specifically what region. Maybe it was local. Maybe it wasn't. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I mean, it's just the that area, Oakland and San Francisco, is a cesspool of, it, it's almost like a retreat. You, you ever, you know, every election they show how uh, geographically the, the voting kind of pans out. And it's always like visually so striking to see how much of the country physically, geographically votes red. And then how small a percentage of the country geographically votes blue. But that small, tiny little, those tiny little bits are so densely compacted, so heavily populated, that somehow they, quote I guess, outweigh the, the, all that red that's out there. <laughs> pod people. Pod people. <laughs> they walk like pods and they talk like people. Uh <laughs> It, but it, it's like that. It's like it, you almost feel like it's a retreat for them. It's it's almost as if they're the minority. They have to go to the city in order to get away from like the reality of the world, which is that you have to grow food and you have to work and you have to like get along with people and be pragmatic and find nuance and things and <laughs> be a good person and stuff like that. I think there's a, there's an easy way to sum that up and. It's to simply not be a bigot. Yeah. But bigotry presents itself in all kinds of different forms. Anyway, we're, we're, we're getting sidetracked. Sorry, I got derailed again. I'm derailing stuff all over the place. Uh, I got those numbers. For the uh, black population, it was 23.13% is fully vaccinated of that specific population. And for Hispanic Latino... It was twenty six point eighty four percent of uh, of that population. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because they got the fucking balls to just be like, no, we're not fucking taking it. Um, multiple slash other ended up at ninety one point eighty one percent. Um, and then, uh, surprisingly enough, American Indian Alaska Native came in second with forty three point oh six percent, fully hmm. jabbed up. I don't know where those numbers are coming from. Let's talk about something a little more lighthearted. <laughs> I'd love to. You know, things are great. I got to say that. Things are, the weather's beautiful. We're having a great time. Things are moving forward. It is. And it's a great time of year to build a second nuclear missile <laughs> silo. <laughs> oh, it's the perfect time of year. <laughs> Uh, China is building a, and I, <laughs> I really crack myself up sometimes. In the notes, I wrote it, quote, new, clear, get it? <laughs> new, uh-huh, clear base. Uh-huh. <laughs> in uh, northern Xinjiang. Uh, mm, that was just offensively bad. Uh, which I feel like that's the same providence where the Uyghurs are getting prosecuted. Ah, uh, the Uyghurs. Uh, it's big, it's bad, and it's to the point with this new facility housing 14 missile silos and covering 300 square miles. 
Got a picture of it dropped in the chats. Fucking big ass expanse of land. Mm. Uh, quoting from the Daily Mail, researchers b- believe the site could eventually expand to 110 silos, each one uh, of which can be filled with a missile carrying up to three nuclear warheads. It comes after a new site with space for 120 silos was uncovered 300 miles away near the city of Yemen, in addition to around a dozen silos being built at the site of Jalantai, another 450 miles to the east. Just got to barrel through. Uh, it is thought China currently has around 20 silos loaded with an unknown number of missiles and nuclear warheads, in addition to around 100 mobile launch pads. Of researchers believe that there are at least 250 currently under construction at various sites in China, meaning a tripling of the number of missiles that Beijing can wield at any time. Uh, it looks like the estimated total would jump up to 415 silos. Uh, even still, Russia and the U.S. would have uh, China outgunned with <laughs> with 4,000 big bang boomsticks on hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and there was some points that the researchers brought up on uh, why there was the buildup. Um, one of them was posturing. They're trying to act like the new schoolyard badasses. Uh, second was they intend to use the use of threats, um, by building up its arsenal to use it as leverage or, uh, bargaining power when it comes to negotiations with the U S and Russia over nuclear weapons. And maybe, uh, The third reason is maybe they are spreading out their supplies into multiple locations to avoid the all of your eggs in one nukable target. Or all the above and more. Yeah. (laughs) Why not all three? I think that something that's funny that really the American propaganda does a really great job of dumbing people down to the realities, the political and the geopolitical realities of our world. They don't fucking say, oh, China's building nukes. We wonder why. Huh, I wonder why they're building nukes. I fucking wonder why, you know. I'm going to go ahead and break my rule that I didn't set earlier, but you caught the Biden clip saying, we might start a shooting war. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is a... (sighs) Oh, okay. Shooting war. We already know that the guy is brain dead, right? So the fact that we're... Let's just assume the guy's brain dead. The fact that a brain dead man said that just goes to show. Shooting war. I mean, fuck me. The thing that's always been bugging me about China, the great thing that always has defended America are oceans. And the only way that China could ever beat us, invasion-wise, they I don't think they could ever do it. I don't think it's possible with the technology that we have now to have a supply chain go across the Pacific Ocean where you can arm and feed hundreds of thousands of soldiers seamlessly over the Pacific Ocean, given their Navy, given their, you know, their naval capacities. It just doesn't seem possible to have your traditional go get them kind of war, you know? And then even to, to invade the American home front in general would be just insane because... Everybody's armed. <laughs> Everybody and their mother is packing. And everybody's down at the range practicing, you know? It would be insane. 
uh, It'd be very and, Red and, Dawn, I think. But the Chinese already know. The Chinese know that the Chinese invented this with Sun Tzu and the Art of War. They invented all this shit. And in Sun Tzu, in the Art of War, they're they have a very specific tenet. One of the first things that Sun Tzu says, if not the first thing, is that you never want to siege a city. Sieging a city is the last way you want to take a city, because a siege will be the costliest, the dirtiest, the most difficult. It'll 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 cost you almost as much as it'll cost whoever you're sieging. You don't want to do that. You have to find other ways to conquer, other than just planning yourself and doing it the hard way. And and Russia took that from them as well. A lot of KGB mentality is actually modeled over, off of Sun Tzu and off of the Chinese communist model. Which you know, Russia and China takes a lot from each other. They've been allies for a long time now, especially in the modern circuit in, in the schools of thought that we're talking about, which really are is a school of thought that has only been refined since the end of the Second World War. I mean, like so many other things, propaganda being another thing, being a reflection of the work of Freud and of the work of. Nazis and of the work of a lot of other men and women that I can't name, but a direct reflection of the of what has come since the end of the Second World War, and China and Russia working together as part of that. The industrialization of China would not happen without Russia. Mao would not have been able to accomplish what he accomplished without Stalin, and they they have an understanding that Americans don't. We're naive politically. Oh, why is China building nukes? I fucking wonder why, dude. Because that's how the world is. You know, people are still trying to make it. You know, not everybody's America. Not everybody just wants to sit around with their thumb up their ass and fucking hope that things are going to come out good. People are working, (laughs) you know? Nobody wants to do democracy strikes from drones. Yeah, well, people need to make these drones. We're going to have more drones than these other, you know. They want to compete. And China especially. I mean, China is the one who is in the biggest position of all to compete. But anyway, I'm talking about China. Isn't China fun? Well, I'm uh, I'm a little I'm a little disappointed to disappoint. But the last news thing, and this isn't even really news. It's news to me. How about that? It's news to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had found several articles going back. Uh, I think the or the earliest one was seven years ago, around 2013. Um, But as I was prepping for episode 10 of Misinformed, there was a clip uh, that I had found on the Bandrew Says podcast. And uh, if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. It's um, it's a lot of streaming news, YouTube news, tech talk, gear talk, all, all sorts of good stuff. But he had recently had one of his accounts banned uh, for two weeks um, for spam and malicious content, I think was the other one. Um, But the video Mm -hmm. ended up being about uh, guitar picks, and uh, he was reading Grimm's fairy tales for that episode. Nothing egregious, period. But he had, through the process of elimination, deduced that it had the ban had to originate from one of his comments that he had left. 
And come to find out, there was a video by a creator. The name blanks me. I can go find the clip if you want to hear it. Um, there was a creator pointing out crimes against humanity being conducted by the CPC, the Communist Party of China. And he had, in a nutshell, said, thank you for sharing this. You're doing good work. And it was from there that he started getting flooded and inundated with all sorts of uh, hateful messages. I wonder if Mm -hmm. I can... Let me find his... (laughs) Let me see if I can find the... um, Oh, God. I had the... Oh, here it is. The pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Hey, screw you, American, you stupid American. We hate you. So that was the sort of clip or uh, comments that he was getting in response, right? Mm-hmm. And what he had come around to is he had gotten uh, essentially quasi-deplatformed by this entity called the 50 Cent Army. Is this something you're familiar with? No, I'm familiar with 10 Cent, but I'm not familiar with 50 Cent Army other than 50 Cent. Right. I worked a 50 Cent concert one time. Oh, nice. nice. I was uh, off stage left, hanging out right behind Ice-T and his huge fucking posse. Dude, Ice-T is a legend. Lee Jindo. Oh, yeah. He's a rapper's rapper. And fronts an amazing metal band. He's actually like one of... He's considered a very important pioneer of hip-hop. Not just a great artist, but a pioneer. I can respect that. Hang in there, champ. We're almost there. Uh, so this is China allegedly employing upwards of 2 million people to troll along the internet. And I got uh, three clips to walk us through. Here's clip one. Hi, welcome to China Uncensored. I'm your host, Chris Chappell. Today, I'm going to talk about something very important. Now, you may have been hearing all kinds of crazy rumors about China, like the government suffering from systemic corruption, rampant human rights abuses, or that Peng Liyuan is the best-dressed first lady. Oh, wait, that last one is a fact. But before you say, we really should do something to help Tibetans so they stop self-immolating, let me just remind you of something. Iraq. Yeah, remember that war? How many people have America killed? I mean, yes, yes, those Chengguang are on a rampage, but what's so good about democracy? The U.S. government is in shutdown. China has a unique culture and isn't ready for democracy anyway. One-party rule is the way to go, as long as that party is the Communist Party. I mean, when I think of all the Chinese people had to suffer during the Opium War, what right does the U.S. have to issue resolutions telling China to stop the genocide of Falun Gong practitioners? Did I mention Iraq? Plus, I'm not even sure Taiwan is real. I mean, think of all the great things the Chinese government has done, like Snoopy Babe. So what he's doing there, and we'll get into this here in the next clip, but uh, he's reading (laughs) the sort of comments that he gets sent his way because this is a very anti-Chinese authority YouTube channel. Um, And this is the video that goes back to 2013. So Mm -hmm. what these, what this uh, group of people do uh, instead of tackling naysayers against the party, 
um, a lot of them will redirect or circle back the conversation to something that's more favorable to the party. Uh, from the, which website was this? Propaganda State, or Propaganda Critic, excuse me. The 50 Cent Army was mobilized by the Chinese government as a vehicle for diverting critical discussion of the government in online forums. Researchers speculate that the uh, 50 Cent Army disrupts dissidents' organizational efforts with the use of cheerleading, positive discussion, and complex coordination strategies that inhibit collective action. So although individuals are not censored, their ability to organize politically is seriously constrained. By swamping social media sites with content, members of the 50 Cent Army are able to interrupt the organic flow of information. It is much harder for users to coordinate with one another when they must wade through a ton of irrelevant content to do so. Mm. Uh, So it seems that that part of the process is to flood social sesame with bullshit. So it's hard to, it's hard, it's harder for those who actually want to engage to see the content and interact with other real users. Sure. Uh, Which kind of falls into that dead internet theory where a vast majority of it is just of the internet. is just made up with dummy accounts, right? Right. It's either made up with bots or it's made up with, I mean, you call them agents or whatever, but just people who are, who are not genuinely being themselves. Um, I mean, which is, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. The, the anonymity of the internet gives that, right? One or the other. You're either going to be, you're going to completely lie about who you are, or you're actually going to be more yourself than you are in real life. <laughs> you know? For sure. <laughs> Come on, NSA man, say the thing. Boo! <laughs> Yeah, but China has that power. I mean, if there's one thing that China has, it's that they have people. And if there's one thing they can do, it's they can go build a building in about 48 hours and then fill it with a million people to go, okay, just be a fake whatever person. And, <laughs> you know, if you, if you teach yourself English, it's probably a good job. I can see all this happening. It's just for anybody, for anywhere, it's so easy. It's It's almost free. To just go on the internet and just do whatever the fuck you want, say whatever you want, be whoever you want, pretend to be whoever you want. That's my problem with Reddit. Like, I still fuck around with Reddit a little bit. I'll go on there, but I just know for a fact. When you bring up Tencent, which is a Chinese company, a major Chinese company, that has invested hundreds of millions of dollars into Reddit and therefore has a lot of control and is... uh, integral in their censorship uh, policies. And um, you better believe that most of Reddit is just fake as fuck. It's just full of of just bullshit. People would just go on and just, just lie their, their asses off in, in the name of doing whatever reason they're doing it. You know, there's, a variety, there's 50 reasons they can do it. But the fact is, is that they do it. And that 80% of people that you engage with a lot of the time on these major platforms like Twitter and Facebook, well, Twitter and things like that, they're fake. They're not real people. Yeah. They're not it, genuinely giving you. It's hard for mind. me to look at r slash conspiracy because I don't feel like the content has necessarily changed. Granted, I haven't been looking at it for all that long. But when you think about this 10 cent involvement, who the fuck knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows, man? Uh, let me hit you with clip two. 
If you're wondering what all that was about, that was just a small sampling of some of the comments I've received on China Uncensored. You see, the battleground of the future will not be waged on the land, the seas, or in the sky, but on the internet. The Chinese government wants to dominate. They have an entire army devoted to this. I'm not talking about the typical cyber warfare of hacking, planting viruses, etc. This is a war for your mind, and the army is the 50 Cent Brigade. Essentially, they're professional trolls. Their job is to scan social forums online and course-correct any conversation that might be veering away from the party line. According to a leaked propaganda directive, should that happen, their job is to steer the conversation into safer waters using any one of these six different points. They get paid about 50 Chinese cents per post, hence 50 cent brigade. And when I say they're an army, I mean it. There are already hundreds of thousands in the rank of the 50 cent brigade. And according to a report last week by state-run Beijing News, the Chinese government currently employs another 2 million people whose only job is to troll through websites both inside and outside of China and monitor what the public is saying about the regime. That's more than the entire People's Liberation Army, which only has one and a half million members. And keep in mind, that is the world's largest standing army. So how can you spot these guys? Well, if you're in the comments section and you see anyone talking along these six points, I don't know, maybe their profile picture of the Communist Party flag, and they're on any social media platform that's banned in China, like YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, there's a good chance they're being paid and not being paid all that much, considering they're selling out their fellow Chinese. They, uh, I have an anecdote from an, an anonymous member, um, and he explains how this works. He, uh, he asks us, and I'm quoting from the article, he asks us to imagine a scenario in which the price of gas has jumped from $3.50, I'm going to need about three fifty to $5.50 and, <laughs> a gallon, in most nations, one would expect citizens to complain online about the sharp increase in price. To deflect blame away from the Chinese government, the propagandists might post a message saying, quote, rise, rise however you want, I don't care. Best if it is raised to 50, uh, 50 won, or about $7.50 uh, per liter. It serves you right if you're too poor to drive. Only those with money should be allowed to drive on the roads. Oh, that's funny. That's such a Chinese... Like, imagine saying that here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we fucking ran out of town. <laughs> and everybody's like... Everyone's like, America is the most racist, most bigoted place in the world. And this guy's like, you're too poor to drive. Well, I highly recommend anybody go check out the first couple of seasons of Dragon Ball. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I really think Mark Twain hated it when he said that travel is the cure for ignorance. If these people actually went to f some other place and saw what it's like other places, then you, as it's happened to me, I've traveled other places and I've been like, wow, America is way great, <laughs> way better than this place. I'm going back. It, it's, yeah. Anyway. Uh, there was a, an additional point um, that this user would log into other sock puppet accounts uh, to respond to his own post, moving it up further, uh, moving moving it further up any other, moving it further up the thread that it might be posted on. And I called it a total judo move. Judo chop. Um. 
the oh gotcha uh what do we got here um there's a 42 page paper that sort of originated this whole concept i didn't find it until a couple hours before um before hog story so i didn't get a, a chance to really sit down with it but they detail a lot of examples and i think in a really realistic way this might be useful information to arm ourselves with if we're able to, because I don't know how relevant this group is anymore, but if Andrew is to be believed, um, he's being targeted currently. OBDM has been targeted and, and shuttered off of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's probably something more to do with the algorithm, reading their transcripts. Because probably, yeah, um, they'll just pick up keywords and and the algorithm will automatically censor them. And uh, all of this broke about 2013, 2014, which to me, that's that's right around Gamergate, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe do you have an opinion on that one way or the other? On Gamergate or on. No, just the time frame uh, between 2013, 14, and Gamergate. Uh, I uh, let's see, August 2014, beginning in August 2014. Um, I, I'm I'm reaching at straws here, but that seems to be my first real, like, um. I like actually finding out like what trolls are and like what, what all these personalities on the internet are. And it makes me wonder if it was something like this, that was kind of fueling a lot of that vitriol going on at the time, because you can, I can go, I can verifiably go and find memes that it's the series of domino blocks. One starting with the normal size domino and this other one's this huge fucking, Slab straight out of 2021, or excuse me, 2001 Space Odyssey. Mm. Um, it starts with Gamergate, and then it goes up through Trump's election, and then the uh, his his um, his presidency, and then the last slab is 600,000 dead Americans. It's very interesting. I think Gamergate might be something to really pay attention to. I think it it really kind of set some stages. I agree. Gamergate was a very important moment. And I think that it was a reflection of where technology had come, the internet had come at that point. I think that the the development, the, the evolution of the internet, I think is going to be kind of uh, mythologized and, and put down in paper later as we get older, I, I would imagine. But in, for 2010 to 2014... That is the real development of like the beginning of mainstream internet culture as we know it now. You have the development of you have you have the development of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is is invented, and um, people know about it, but it's a joke, and nobody like honestly invests in it because it seems like a scam. Because there's lots of shit that are scams on the internet during that time before. Facebook and Twitter and stuff, you had just had a million different websites that would pop up all the time and you'd learn about them, word of mouth or uh, whatever. 
and and you would go there, you know, you have your uh, you're the man now, dogs and e bombs and newgrounds and this and that and the other, and you'd IGN. always have to, uh, IGN and fuck e fucked and uh, just goes on and on and on. You had all these different websites, and they'd come and go, except for the big ones, and then. Leading up to Gamergate, leading up to, you know, between 2010 and 2014, you had the refining of an underground internet culture. You had the golden age of 4chan. And it's probably when terms like red pilling really started poking up. Yep. And Pepe. And the alt-right. Alt-right. And all of the fundamental aspects that we identify with internet culture today when we talk about the alt-right were really set in in stone during that time and then gamergate was really the first time that like a misogynistic uh internet underbelly made a stir to the to the degree that some somebody took notice and and made a big deal out of it. And uh, somebody in the media, I mean. I wish and it's only developed from there. I wish I had saved the fucking video and it was striking enough that I will search it out at some point. Um, but there was a, he was a dude. I, I think he was more, um, more of our mindset than a normie talking about Gamergate. But he had said at the time there's a tons of articles. Uh, he was like going through how they were all very repetitious. They were saying a lot of stuff um, that was very similar, uh, which is nothing new at this point. Um, here's why Han Solo is the hottest, hippest new movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but there was, uh, what's the Chinese propaganda quote? I know Tim Cook from Apple has said it. It's the Bold leap forward. Mm, I'm not familiar with that quote. I know, it's it's something in that vein. I know no agenda is really the bold leap forward. Yeah, I, I know. It seems like it, yeah, it seems about right. But he, the, this guy narrating the YouTube video specifically, um, mentioned that a lot of these journalists were calling the games coming out and, you know, shitting on nerd culture at the time mm-hmm. uh, was a, was this leap forward? I wish I could remember specifically what it was called. Hmm. And leap forward kind of, you reminds me of like lean in, which was what that Facebook uh, executive spoke was about. Great leap forward. I'm sorry. Great leap forward. A great leap forward. Oh God, that's that's a Maoism, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's straight up. Just like that's that was his uh, moniker for. We're going to go from an agricultural society to an industrial society right now. I just it it's burned in the back of my mind that this guy talking about GamerGate specifically mentioned this line. Uh, it's hmm. very interesting. I, I'd like to. I, I once we get a little closer to Gamergate, I, I will find that, and uh, hopefully we can maybe find some articles that that give evidence to that, because that would be a huge piece of news, man. It would be. <laughs> it would be. 
It, it's tough because the the journals the journalists get the secondhand stuff. You know, you had to have been there at 4chan to really see what the hell's going on. To, to really like get the nuance, I find with a lot of this stuff, it, it seems like at this point the news reports so much on 4chan and underground stupid shit like QAnon, right? Mm-hmm. Things like QAnon, but they don't know anything about it. They just they have like a it's like a game of telephone. They like they hear about what they heard, what somebody else heard, what somebody else heard, what somebody else heard. They weren't actually there reading the posts reading how people were reacting to it. I was fortunate enough to actually be there on 4chan, on poll, seeing what the hell QAnon was, you know? And like, Jesus Christ. Does every news organization get it wrong? They just don't have any fucking clue what it was about. And how how those the community, the internet community, actually reacted to that movement and actually engaged with this entity that was very organized that was very sophisticated that if they if it was just like one crazy person sitting in their room doing it all it would be a ton of work ton of work it would take an enormous imagination if you're really paying attention to it but it was obviously bullshit it was obviously a lie and there were a lot of people that called it out as such at the time but the the you would never know that they would never tell you that on on any mainstream news organization because they would never fucking know, you know. It would be interesting to find archives of the of that. I'm not sure if there is anything that would exist. I'd hope so. Mm-hmm. Probably the we get the Wayback Machine, and I think Fortune keeps archives stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I, do you have any interest in listening to this uh, last clip? It, it's more of the same. Um, it, I did find it's out. It's up that, to you. Uh, I think I think we're going a little long. We might want to do our intermission, or do we want to keep grooving along? I, I okay. Well, this will be my last po- uh, point. It it sounds like they don't. It might be more of a meme that they make fifty cents per post rather than that's what they actually make. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's suspected that uh, a lot of these people already hold government Chinese uh, Communist Party jobs. So they guess this activity is a requirement of their existing job or at least rewarded in performance reviews. And uh, I added, in quotes, other duties as assigned. (laughs) Nice. Hell yeah. Uh, Dark Lord RK came through with... um, with the stuff that he had dropped last week. And it sounds like it's a scream. So I'm going to start this. I hope it's not two minutes and 25 seconds. She sang for another two hours after that. Holy shit, Lizzie Hell of Hailstorm. That's hot. That was awesome. Uh, do you want me to hit you with a voice or a scream mail? I'd love that. Here we go. Here's one. Ooh. 
Ooh. I like it when you breathe on my neck. That was nice. <laughs> oh, my. That was pristine. Aw, shit. Hit me with it a third time. Mm. Mm. How about that, people? <laughs> Gorgeous. Come get Gorgeous. Some. I fucking love our screamers, man. Our screamers, they deliver. We've got some really fantastic stuff come through. Groovy. Groovy. Yes, we do. Um, tonight's intermission, I... I got a little on the creative side. I, I want to get into the practice of making something that's a little more customized rather than just finding hilarious and insightful stuff on the internet to play. Hilarious. Hilarious. Uh, I want to say part of me, I might have fucked up. I might have started this one off with a to- with a song that we've used before. I know that there's no like, real criteria other than it has to be CC by music. Mm. Um, I hope that's okay. It's a good song. It'll be fine. It's a girls and whiskey song. It's like, it's like our motto. I agree. so small can connect you to everything that matters when your life and all you love are on the line HealthLink is always with you when every second counts in the emergency room providing immediate access to your medical records because Bob has trouble remembering all his medications Because I'm in love with my kids' kids. 
because my car lost control while driving. Because now I'm looking out for both of us. Because I have diabetes, but it doesn't have me. Because I spend my life in the ER trying to save yours. So I'm sitting there having a bad acid trip, smoking a cigarette in the cold. And all of a sudden I'm shaking. I'm shivering, I'm shaking, I'm shivering. And I shake and shiver so fast I phase through the ground. And I'm phasing through and all of a sudden I stop. And I'm surrounded by the mole people and they're all like, because the LSD's not translating right. So I try to run away because they're throwing like stones and bricks and mortar at me, but I'm trapped in the corner. So I start shaking, start shivering, start shaking and shivering. I'm vibrating so fast I phase through again. I end up in Fraggle Rock and the Fraggle Rock song's playing. Everyone's all happy and go lucky. But then the tremors, the earthworm tremors start coming through while tremors are happening. So there's like ground falling on us, tremors coming at us and I just scream. I'm like, someone help us. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes no one and that's the end of the story i hope you all have a great day oh, i'm missing home already let's take it all the way to holloway Hollywood, but it can never be as good as the big guy.
uh, wanted to keep this provision. Everyone else wanted to change this out of 77,000. Uh, that's probably about the percent of people who think Nickelback is their favorite band in this country. It's pretty low. Uh, and I think uh, if you look at it, Nickelback's your favorite band. I, I, I apologize to the gentleman. Why would you criticize one of the greatest <laughs> bands of the 90s? Wow. All right. One more reason why there's a difference between Democrats and Republicans, clearly. Mr. Grebel, remove your hat in my courtroom. I do not recognize the authority of a court that hangs the gold fringe flag. A flag with gilded edges is the flag of an admiralty court. An admiralty court signifies a naval court-martial. I cannot be court-martialed twice. That is all. Furthermore, bailiff, gag him. Doc! Well, I will not be blackmailed by some ineffectual, privileged, effete, soft-penis debutante. You want to start a street fight with me, bring it on, but you're going to be surprised by how ugly it gets. You don't even know my real name. I'm the Lizard King. Rosebud. Yes, Rosebud Frozen Peas. Full of country goodness and green penis. Wait, that's terrible. I quit. Just a handful for the road. Oh, what luck. There's a French fry stuck in my beard. Oh, yeah. Don't vote! Eat trash! Do drugs! Get cash! Eat ass! Die fast! The fucking motto! Born to die! World in a fuck! I am the Black Knight. feeling, man, because you know there's a handful of people actually running everything. That's true. It's provable. It's not a fucking not a conspiracy. Not true. Handful, very small elite running all these corporations, which include the mainstream media. I had this feeling, who's ever an elected president like Clinton was, no matter what your promises, you promise on the campaign trail, blah, blah, blah. When you win... Going to this smoking room with the 12 industrialists, capitalist scum fucks who got you in there. And you're in this smoky room, and this little uh, uh, film uh, screen comes down. And a big guy in a cigar roll the film. And it's a shot of the Kennedy assassination from an angle you've never seen before. <laughs> It looks suspiciously off uh, the grassy knoll. And then the film, the screen goes up and the lights come up and they go to the new president. Any questions? Uh, just what my agenda is. First we bomb Baghdad. You got it. Behind the schemes. Starring. And lavish. 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 Lavish.
Welcome back to Behind the Schemes, second second half of the show. That was a fun intermission. I enjoyed making that one. Hopefully, uh, the idea is to maybe do some more stuff like that, uh, like that uh, Bill uh, Hicks thing. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna pass the pass. Is Is it good? Is it is it live? Is it hot? Yes. Okay. We are good to go. Excellent. Sorry about that. That's all good. We'll fix it in post. I've noticed that <laughs> so many people are saying, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> no, we're, this is live theater. This is part of it, you know. I love that intermission. You know, people scoff at us for having an intermission, but I think it's great because it's really nice to get up and stretch and get a beer and kind of freshen up, you know. Because mm-hmm. what we talk about sometimes can be a little uh, viscous. <laughs> it, can, it can always be a little more viscous too mm-hmm. my man booberry knows exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah, so. oh my oh my oh my oh my well yes welcome to the second second half of show of behind the schemes here we are broadcasting to you live. I'm here with Boo Berry, Mothman of the Mini Eclipse. I am Lavish. Uh, if you want to give us a call, you can give us a call at 612-263-7999, and you can leave us a voicemail, and uh, you can say just about whatever you want. We're going to play it in the air. And that's just a fact. <laughs> Cold, hard fact. <laughs> uh, I got a short one here lined up if, uh, if you want to hit that one. Yes, please. <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite understand what's going on, but it's dirty. That's man bear pig. Oh, man bear pig. Man bear pig. Half man, half bear, half pig. <laughs> it's quite an accurate representation of of a uh, uh, almost president. And inventor of the internet, Al Gore. <laughs> Just barely not president. <laughs> so, so, so close. close. So close. You know, it really came down to George H.W. Bush Sr. made a decision. He was like, hmm, do I want my vice president to be president or do I want my son to be president? <laughs> eh, my son. Wait, what? Hold on. Let's back it up. Wasn't Al Gore? Oh, he was he was Clinton's vice president, yeah. wasn't he? But I mean, at the same. But time, Bill Clinton, yeah, was was Bush's boy. <laughs> yes. Bill Clinton is Bush's boy, so you know what I mean. It's the chain of command here, we're talking it's, about. It's a it's a win win win. Uh, it's a it's a big club, and we ain't in it, man. <laughs> yeah, well, that's for goddamn sure. Yeah. Yes, indeed. But yes, yeah, the second half of the show. Uh, how are you feeling, man? You know, I, I had a great weekend this weekend. Uh, I, 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 uh, I, on Friday, this last Friday, I, w- I went with my band and we played at a county fair. And it was like such a breath of fresh air. I believe, to, man. You know, and with you and your gig, too. I mean, you, 
you just did this fantastic gig where you where Carrie Underwood and all these great you know musicians are playing and it's just so nice to get out and when I played with my band and and it just like everybody was out at this fair everybody was dressed really nice everybody was really enjoying themselves I mean it, it just seems like the kind of pendulum swing as I called it before that I was looking for of people swinging back to really just getting out there and, and enjoying themselves despite all of this craziness. And then, and then on Saturday, the next day I went out and I floated on the Sacramento river for almost six hours. <laughs> I went out with my band again. We, we, we played this gig on Friday, had a good time. And then Saturday that morning, we all got up early and we went and got our tubes and went to the river and we're out there for fucking hours and for half a day, really. And, uh, and there was a million people out there too. And the river was just littered with you. I mean, coated with people. And it was, a, it was a massive party there as well. So it's really nice. It's an interesting time. If you go out and you see what's going on, people really are enjoying themselves. For sure. It's, um, man, I, I almost don't want to touch it because I, I know it's going to happen. And I'm just going to get kind of, pissed off and bummed out about it but Mm -hmm. um i'm already starting to see on the feed bag people talking about events getting canceled Uh, that's that's happening at the at the big big level for sure well and yeah i mean there's a netflix shoot that got shut down um it sounded like the performer whoever it was maybe it was a stand-up uh a stand-up filming but they didn't want any um masked patrons in the audience Mm. which is interesting um it makes me wonder how much leverage the artist had or how big they were how popular they were to be able to pull something like that yeah that is something interesting to note because we saw clapton do the same thing but to to have a smaller artist yeah where's the line being drawn at popularity of bands for how much sway they have over that kind of a thing for sure. So, uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of my former comrades. <laughs> yeah. Former comrades, uh, are all gearing up and getting ready to head back out on the road. And I, I really wish them the, the best. I, I hope the best for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I know that when they end up coming home, it's gonna be <clears throat> it's gonna be people like me and you's fault, obviously, because there's no other. <laughs> uh, it, it's so backwards. It's so it's really mean. It's really cruel. It's just opposite of everything that is intended. This whole thing is supposed to be in the name of public good and public health and helping people, but it's doing. The exact opposite of that. It's yeah. hurting so many people. Everyone. It's hurting everybody. I mean, I can't... Who who can escape this? You know? It's really atrocious. Well, if you have a super small amygdala, it helps sneaking through that fence. Yes. Big chain leak fence. Extra wide. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people... I think there's more people that are... That have small amygdalas than we give credit. 
I think that there are a lot of people out there who do understand it, but there's just nothing you can do. I mean, you can talk, we talk about it, we do all that, but it's, uh, these people are, are really ruthless. But, but it doesn't matter because it's at the highest level. You know, we're talking about Netflix specials and shit like that. If you want to have a good time, you don't have to go to the city. You can go to the river. You can go, you know, you can go uh, get away from it all. There's a lot of opportunity out there because of this madness and chaos. There is that opposite reaction to it where people are having a really great time and you can take advantage of that great time. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really, I really only hope for the best and, um, that's uh, some major truths can get over or, uh, can be uncovered in ways that the loudest majority of the population can come to understand. Yeah. I guess. Well, they don't call it the silent majority for nothing, you know? <laughs> hey, boobs. Hey. <laughs> hey. Do you have a favorite president? You know, I used to be a big FDR guy, but then I just realized that he was kind of a commie scum fuck. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> oh, same. I'm in the same boat as you on that one. I don't know. Jefferson was pretty cool. Jefferson is is legit. The the first like four or five presidents are just fucking unbelievable. A lot of them are great. Uh, in my lifetime, no. In, in our lifetime, no. Our in our lifetime, uh, presidents have been one hundred percent puppets. The hundred um, percent puppets. Who would be? I think Kennedy's cool. I mean, he he had to be doing something right for. Uh... <laughs> it, it ends with Ike and Kennedy. I I think Truman was a tool. I think Ike was the man. Eisenhower. And uh, JFK, and but JFK was only president because of clandestine, you know, mob uh, connections. Stuff. Yeah, so it's one of those things. I, the further back you go, it gets a little the yeah. the, the lines of black and white get a little more clearly defined. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just crazy how much a. A war in the right circumstance will create heroes that are unilaterally loved, like what the Civil War and what World War II produced. And we don't have wars now. I mean, the last, I would say, great general that America idolized was probably General Petraeus back during the Bush years. And he was going um, going into the Obama years, he was like, the hero of Iraq. He was the guy that was like, he was the, the, they called him the scholar, monk, warrior, whatever the fuck they called him. And he was like the last guy that I remember. Other than that, we don't, we don't idolize military guys anymore. We all think they're scum buckets. Yeah. And they don't get any press. Well, hopefully, um, hopefully sir, sir seat sitter gets on a, a guest that we've had on in the past, uh, Patrick, o- Sergeant Patrick O'Kelly, uh, just an all around total badass. Mm. Done some crazy shit. He saved some lives, taken some lives. And, uh, 
He he's he's got a really phenomenal grasp on uh, just how relevant, just mind-numbingly relevant history is to what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Which is great. It's great to have that that perspective. Oh, I was going to shout out uh, President Eisenhower, uh, famous boy for boy Ike. Yeah, shouting out the uh, military industrial complex. That's pretty that's pretty ballsy. Mhm. And another man who who made himself politically by being a great general and by being a great military leader. You know, Ulysses S. Grant was the same way. Mm-hmm. Ulysses S. Grant was made president purely by the fact that he was instrumental in winning the Civil War for the Union. And he was the biggest hero of the Union. And uh, there's just certain figures that, that they transcend. Like, there's nothing you can do in the face of an Eisenhower or a Grant or a Washington. You, you have these guys that are just so loved, so ubiquitously loved, that they have, you have no choice but to just let them be president, you know? <laughs> okay, well, I guess we'll let you have this one. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get Truman on the next one. That's the that's the mentality. Okay, you can have Trump now, but we get Biden on the next one. You know, like you guys get this, but we're gonna just fuck you on the next one. <laughs> and that's been the mentality always. You know, not to say that Trump was great. I don't. I'm not a Trump guy, but you know what I mean. I'm I'm just making an example. Yeah, I I know we've touched on this a uh, a little bit in the past. Um... I've never been the biggest fan. I think I think he's got some legitimately really funny bits. Uh, I do he's think funny. I do think uh, he really set himself up to be just unendlessly shot at by the media in a lot of ways, like mm-hmm. mocking mocking the uh, one of those reporters, um, well, the one with the physical disabilities. Hmm. Uh, some crash shit like, oh, well, if that, <laughs> I'd sleep with my daughter. Like, uh, come on, dude. <laughs> you don't have to say, you don't always have to say the quiet parts out loud. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus. But, you know, uh, at, at the end of the day, like, he's not, uh, he wasn't some fucking war drum beating maniac. I think to equate him to Hitler is is exactly the reason why we've ended up in this situation. Because you've literally scared the piss out of people to the point where they can't tell up from down, left from right. It's just purely fueled by hate. And by some source, some collective uh, you know, understanding. Like people, people really built him up to be so much worse. I mean, he's he's a he's kind of a dawdling dude, you know. He's not the best guy in the world. He's done some bad stuff, but he didn't write the Patriot Act and the '94 Crime Bill, and you know, I, like man, I've he had- is an instrumental in the militarization of our police. Like, how come the guy that did that gets a pass, but then this guy that built fucking casinos and was just like a scumbag business guy, he, all of a sudden he's the worst thing that we've ever had to engage with, you know, not the, not the family that went to Haiti and exploited uh, an earthquake situation and made money and probably did much worse shit than that. There's evidence of, you know, it's like people don't understand 
that these people that they tout that they that they respect are really massive criminals mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's so much they're at least as bad if not much much worse because Trump was never in government he was never in a position to really do any damage to anybody i mean other than in the private sector these people have been ruining the public sector for decades at the federal level. That that affects so many more lives. And making a killing off of it. Looking at you, Nancy Pelosi, and your freezer full of Nancy Pelosi clones yeah. hanging up on wire metal hangers. You know, the problem with Pelosi and Newsom and Feinstein and all these California guys is that they were rich to begin with. All of the major political forces in on the west coast are all wealthy families and it really isn't it, it it's shrouded as democracy and they act like the, the, these people vote them in all the time but the truth is is that they they're rich as fuck they're, they're, they they controlled the, the state before they were in political office dare and, you say privileged i mean <laughs> look this guy's going to the french laundry you know to and, and blowing it up. I mean, not just going there to have dinner, but goes there and makes such a scene that people, he makes the fucking front page news. I mean, these people are different. These people aren't like you and me. These people take helicopters to go play tennis. I mean, it's, it's a different world. And, and in order to placate their needs in order to continue this thing, they have to build this facade. You know, they have to play this game. It's part of it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. Anyway, with that, I think I'm going to open a fresh beer. Yeah. <laughs> Drink it away, ladies and you know, gentlemen. <laughs> I'll tell you what. These fucks can take a helicopter to tennis, but they could never do six hours in direct sun down the Sacramento River. I don't know. That, maybe maybe they're, fucking fact. Maybe their lizard bodies would really appreciate it. Yeah, maybe they would actually get some warm blood for the first time. Oh, dude. <laughs> Cutting in deep, damn. <laughs> you know what I'm God saying? Damn. They're cold blooded, but I'm cold blooded. <laughs> what more can I say? Uh yeah, baby. Anyway, how you feeling, Major Boobage? Uh, I'm good. How about we uh, lighten it up <laughs> with the story that you brought? <laughs> I would love to lighten it up. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's lighten it up even more. Uh, this story fascinated me. This really, really caught my attention. I, uh, with all that's going on with this vaccine stuff, companies like Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, all of these major medical companies are just getting a complete carte blanche. They get to do whatever the fuck they want. They get to push through this weird thing, this experimental gene therapy thing that they're marketing as a vaccine, and then they, they're they getting their lobbyists to force government officials to mandate it so that we all have to fucking... They want 100%. But anyway, it's crazy what, what these people are, are getting away with, given the fact that these companies are riddled with controversy, lawsuits. They are at the center of so many different kinds of of major detrimental social issues. And in this situation, we are talking about opioid addiction and opioid uh, deaths. 
and the impact that opioids, in, in particular pharmaceutical prescription drugs, such as like uh, hydrocodone, oxycontin, things like that, which has killed a half a million Americans in, you know, in the last 10, 20 years, just a major, major, major killer and a, and a ruiner of lives. And Johnson & Johnson is totally at the center of it. And so this, what's happened recently is that they've settled. Uh, they, they came to a settlement where they, Johnson & Johnson and three other companies, Cardinal Health, Amerisaurus Bergen, and McKesson, they settled with a group of state attorney, attorneys general that they're going to pay like $26 billion between the four of them over the course of fucking 18 years. $21 billion over the course of 18 years. And this settlement is going to settle uh, ongoing about 3,000 lawsuits that are happening, uh, that are going against them from all over the country. And it's going to immediately end all of those lawsuits and it's going to provide them inoculation from any further, uh, any further lawsuit any further fucking liability from what they've done would that be would that mean that they've reached a whole nother level of indemnity or is is this a different term for a different thing well i'm not sure about indemnity i'm not sure what that's, uh, it could be it could be saying. a totally I, I just i only bring that up because they're not legally liable for uh Let's let's call it bad reactions <laughs> from vaccinations. <laughs> well, the vaccinations is, is a whole other thing. I mean, this is this is specifically related to opioid prescription medication uh, addiction, uh, pushing the stuff, pushing the stuff unnecessarily on people because they have a business model where they need to sell as much of these drugs as humanly possible, and so they they lobby doctors, they lobby hospitals. To they put pressure on them to to push all of this medication on people, and this has been happening for decades. This has been happening the the two thousands, as far as drug epidemics go, can be entirely surmised by the opioid epidemic, the combination of heroin, prescription medications like oxycotton and hydrocodone, and fentanyl now is included in that. And, you know, in the 90s and in the 80s, it was all uppers. It was all cocaine, right? It was a big thing, crack. And going from the 2000s since, it's all just been opioids. And the production of it, and they talk about it all the time and no agenda with Afghanistan. I mean, they said, I think they quoted, this is less than two weeks ago, they said that 30% of uh, <laughs> the, the, the revenue they make from exports in Afghanistan is from exporting poppies, uh, the 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 basic fundamental ingredient that you processed into heroin, morphine, whatever. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's not a good situation. And with Johnson and Johnson coming to the settlement, they going forward, what they do is they give state and local governments uh, an opportunity to sign on to the deal. And what in how they're marketing it is that it gives billions of dollars to, what they say, this is according to Forbes magazine, this is what they say, it gives billions of dollars to addiction treatment, counseling, and harm reduction services like syringe programs. Are you, are you familiar with, with rehab-type 
programs? No, I've never, uh, I've never been to one, and I've had friends that kind of got forced into them, but it was for marijuana at the time, and this was decades ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not in my immediate circle, no. Okay. Well, f- for those who are familiar with rehab, with state-sanctioned rehab, I should say. So say in the event that you get like a DUI or you get busted holding or something like that and you have to go through a state-sanctioned rehabilitation program that's given to you by a judge in a court, 100% of the time, you're going to end up in a 12-step program type of organization. AA is the big one, and NA by proxy. And so what these guys are essentially agreeing to is giving money to these programs. They're opening up grants so that these programs can apply for these grants. It would be the most likely situation. Uh and it all goes to these 12-step programs, which in and of themselves, it's a very specific organization. A 12-step program, AA, is a, is a very, very specific group of people that comes from a very specific mentality and, and a, a rubric for trying to rehabilitate people that's ultimately founded in uh, Protestant fundamentalism and, and really comes from two guys, and they kind of idolize these guys, but it really comes from Protestantism. And that's the model for AA. And so the government really forces you to to go into this and to, if you want to go, if you're going through like say a two-year program where you have to go to AA once a week or twice a week for two years, which isn't an outrageous program that they'll put on you, they're assuming that you're going to actually join the program. You're going to get a, a sponsor. You're going to have somebody who's actively calling you and, and you're going to go show up and go to extracurricular activities and sober bowling events and shit like that. I mean, it's a complete cult. It's a cult. It's a way of life. People who are so dependent on drugs or alcohol that they have no respite from their addiction other than to commit themselves wholeheartedly to this thing, this community. And that is one way, and it's a very powerful way of getting sober, but it's not for everyone, it's definitely not for everyone to just give up their lives and to be part of AA. It's it's not a it's not a it's not a uh, realistic way to get people to actually tied back on their consumption of illicit substances. In my estimation, um, anyway, do you have any uh, thoughts on this? I. I- I've known that, and now that you said AA, I, I kind of take back uh, just just a little bit. Um, I, I did have a good friend. I had kind of moved away and was on tour at the point, uh, or at this point, when um, he was really in the midst of uh, hitting AA full-time, uh, and in a big way. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he seemed to do okay with it. And I remember having conversations back and around that time uh, on the phone uh that it was a little too um, by the book religious for him, but he appreciated that they pushed him to find uh, find power and in, in a, a higher, higher power, or a higher power. Yeah, finding that's how a they, higher power. That's what they call. It. They don't call it God. They call it a higher power. 
And if you want to be part of it, you have to accept a higher power. Um, I do want to take it even further back, and I don't believe that six million deaths number. I don't believe it for a fucking second. Um, six million deaths? Which one? That one or the other one? Of just the opioid deaths. Six million. I didn't say six million. Did you say six million? I, I thought that's the the half a million. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. I'm, half a million over t- between 10 and 20 years. Yes. Half a million. You're absolutely then, correct. But it's been getting worse. Uh, according to according to the, the government website that I found, which is around here somewhere, uh, the U.S. Center, so the CDC website. If you go to the CDC website, and you'll find this in the show notes, it'll be at cdc.gov. Uh, slash drug overdose data, you'll see that uh, 2019 to 2020 was a record year for overall drug overdose deaths with 93,000 deaths up 29% uh, from the previous year. 29, that's almost 30%. You can find that that's an active chart. And of that 93,000, 69,000, 69, we'll give it to dudes, 69,000 were specifically opioid related. So the vast majority of them opioid related so the the idea is that the the opioid crisis is getting worse it's getting significantly worse and these companies have just been handed on a silver platter uh a defense from all liability and i'll give you an example of just how how little money this is to these guys 26 21 26 billion dollars over the course of 18 years it says that Forbes says that Johnson & Johnson is only supposed to pay uh, $5 billion of this. So they have nine years to pay $5 billion, okay? Let me just go over how much money Johnson & Johnson has reportedly made, according to Forbes, in the last five years. In the last five years. And this is according to Forbes. These are all estimations, and these are conservative estimates at that. Very conservative that are based on very vague information, but according to Vogue, uh, Vogue according to <laughs> Forbes, Johnson and Johnson, uh, I mean, I can go to the eighty-five billion in twenty nineteen. They made eighty-five billion dollars alone in twenty nineteen. This is before COVID. Eighty-one billion in twenty eighteen. Seventy-seven billion in twenty seventeen. Seventy-two billion in twenty sixteen, and seventy billion in twenty fifteen, along with seventy-four billion in twenty fourteen. So if you average all that out, that's $75 billion a year in reported revenue, this revenue, spending cash. So you're getting $75 billion a year off the top, which comes to $375 billion in half a decade. And that is a conservative estimate. According to Forbes, to value private businesses, we couple revenue or profit estimates with prevailing price-to-sales, price-to-earnings, P.E. ratios, so that's stock price bullshit, or similar ratios, such as compound annual growth rate calculations, which, again, are extremely vague. Uh, And they apply a 10% discount or more in cases where information is scarce. So they give it a, a, a tenth, uh, uh, of leeway as far as, as as being conservative towards their estimates. So you could say that according to Forbes, Johnson & Johnson makes $400 billion in revenue in five years 
and they have just gained liability from 45 out of 50 states in the union to, to being sued for anything related to opioid overdoses or or anything related to them pushing these painkillers on people. They are completely immune from that for the cost of $5 billion, which will be paid out over the course of nine years. If you do the math on this, you will realize that within one month, Johnson & Johnson will have made enough money to pay this fine. In one month. That is egregious. And that is exactly part of the problem of what we talk about. We talk about how corrupt and how brutally capitalistic and awful these people are. And I'm saying this as a capitalist. I'm not, you know, but I've followed these trials before COVID at the, at the San Francisco court, the federal court, they had these lawsuits that were going on against Monsanto. They were having roundup, the roundup trials, which were making their way up the circuit. And my uh, cousin at the time was a, a reporter and he was covering these trials. And I also knew a lawyer who was involved with the trials. I can't say how he was involved, but he was involved. But I had these sources to this trial, and I was keeping track. And then at the same time, Johnson & Johnson was also being sued for uh, having asbestos in fucking baby powder. How can one keep winning so hard? <laughs> I It's just incredible. I you know, And people go, you know what? Just trust these guys. These guys... Have your best interests in heart. These guys, they... Go fuck yourself. Lavish, lavish, lavish. You have to take their shot for my safety, okay? <laughs> uh, it's... it's it's. Uh, I'm going to. We're all going to. We're all going to have to get this fucking shot eventually. I mean, these, these people are going to force us to take this shot. This is a really terrifying time. And and it's and it's coming from these companies that are just the worst, the worst, most corporate, most just profit seeking, go fuck yourself companies in the world. And we all have to sit here and they just fucking get a blank check. They can do whatever they want. It's it's a, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I can't help myself. I was gonna say earlier when you were talking about uh the past five years with um, with the money that they've pulled in. I might not be the math man of the Miniocalypse, but there seems to be a correlation between <laughs> making more money and having a bigger opioid crisis. I'm not <laughs> sure what the connection could be. Yeah. Well, you know why? It's because they're fun. Have you ever done opiates? You want my honest opinion? I don't uh, like them. I do not like opioids. Oh, you don't? They are not for me. Why don't you like them? Uh, I've had to take them for an exploded appendix. It was a self-removing appendix. Uh Uh-huh. A self-removed appendix? Yeah. You removed it yourself? It kind of removed itself into 13 various pieces and then turned gangrenous inside of my body. Oh. Yeah. I thought you, like, carved out your own appendix or something. Dude, I would be one 
balling motherfucker if that was the case <laughs> i was going to say i was like dude if you carved out your own appendix i'm gonna send you i don't know a trophy or something yeah. <laughs> anyway your uh, appendix disintegrating inside of you doesn't sound great so i was in the hospital for a couple of days and i had a, a morphine drip i they actually shot me up with something more intense with morphine that first night uh when i when i just got to the er uh, it was a whole process. I don't have to get into the whole thing right now, but I realized mm-hmm. then that I just don't like that taffy feeling. Like not only are you being pulled forward and backwards at the same time, but you're being pulled side to side. Like mm. it's just, you're getting kneaded almost like a loaf of bread. Right. Sure. Uh, yeah. I would say so. Yeah. And I always get violently ill. Like I am someone that will throw up like a motherfucker, you know, mm. it, whether it be like, oh, you know, take these, um, you got four wisdom teeth removed at the same time. Take some Percocet. Can't do Percocets. I'll throw them up. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had, I've never done Percocet. No. I've had a prescription for Oxy before. Always throwing it up. Um, so I, I almost kind of consider it a small blessing that my body just, can't handle it. Doesn't like it. It's well, not, it's a good thing. It's that's not anything I have thing. to worry about. I, yeah. Uh, and that's good. I mean, you should, people should naturally have that reaction because it's bad for you. And my, my experience with it was with getting my wisdom teeth pulled. And I was able to get a couple of refills and kind of ride it out and just like lay in bed and be knocked out with my pills. It was uh, hydrocodone specifically. Oh, maybe it was hydrocodone that I got for the wisdom teeth and then Percocets they gave me. Yeah, it was Percocets. For the appendix. For the appendix. Because I ended up, I didn't even sell them. I just gave them. I gave them to somebody. I was like, here, I, I can't oh, do these anymore. Uh, <laughs> oh, good good on that guy or gal, whoever got those. Well, but. he ended up with a BB inside of his hand, so he probably needed it at the time. <laughs> oh, I would agree. <laughs> well, he probably should have given, he should have gotten his own prescription for that. Well, you know, when you're living you that, r- have, uh, that rough yeah, and tumble yeah. college life. I got you. <laughs> also, yeah. maybe don't pump up the BB gun 10 times and then have your uh, buddy slash our roommate <laughs> point, blank, point blank at your hand. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> we here behind the schemes don't uh, appreciate that kind of thing. But also, this is America, you dumb son of a bitch, so feel free to. So we to. don't condone it either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can, yeah. No, I, I love it. Way. You can go either way. I, I loved it. I, I mean, I I'm a, I have an addictive personality. So I, I took these things, and I was like, oh, this is what all the hype's about. And I took them for a little while. I took them for like maybe like two weeks. I, I was like, oh, yeah. And I just like ripped these things. And I got my fill. And then at the end of it, I was like, all right, uh, I can never do these ever again, one, because two, they'll just, you know, you just got to put these away. You have no choice. You have to make a conscious effort. You're like, these are fun. These are a great time. But you can't do them because they'll ruin your life. And I could tell when I was doing it. It's the same thing I felt about World of Warcraft. I played World of Warcraft one time, and I was like, this would ruin my life. I'm going to walk away from this right now. And I felt the same way about hydrocodone. 
and I haven't done any. I mean, I'll, every every now and again, I'll get my hands on a pill or two or something. It'll be for a special occasion. But I had a buddy who survived cancer at a very young age who, you know, he never died from it, but his whole life has been completely controlled by opiates mm-hmm. because of all the surgeries he had and all the pain he, you know, he went through and still has to this day. And that is unfortunately the root cause of a lot of the addiction is and the prescription medication in particular when it comes to when it comes to uh you know Johnson and Johnson who we're talking about specifically with this article you're talking about pushing an absurd amount of very high powered pain killing medication on children who very much need it at times. But it's very easy to just overload them with with it, you know? Well, then you got and, a repeat customer until they either figure it out and finally cut them out, or you just toss them to the fucking curb. Well, as a child, you don't have that privilege. As a child, you only do what you're told, for the most part. I, and okay. when I took opiates, I was a 25-year-old man, and I was like, I can walk away from this. You know, I'd already done acid 15 times. I knew what this was. So with a child, it's like, you know, it becomes a part of your life. You don't know anything else. I guess I don't know how young you can be to get a prescription for it. As young as you, if you can walk. I mean, fuck, if you're 9, 10 years old. I mean, if you're going through cancer and you really need it, it's better than shooting up a kid with morphine all the time. Yeah. You know? But there's a balance to be had, and it happens with adults as well. But the the problem is is that there's a profit motive with Johnson and Johnson and with these companies, these other companies, is that they it's their business. It's it's a business model to to push this stuff. And so we have to make a a, a decision as a society, as an American society, whether we want to try to regulate this and, and address it. Or whether we're going to just let these people do what they do and just let them completely crush us with this shit, <laughs> you know? And people are deciding, okay, let fuck it. We'll take these little scraps. We'll take $5 billion over nine years. I mean, it sounds like a lot of money. $26 billion. The other three companies have got to pay $21 billion over the course of 18 years. It's less than a billion dollars a year. We already talked about how much money these guys make. And it's 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 a lot of money to us, five, ten, twenty billion dollars, but it's nothing. What's the nothing. what's the J C D quote, the cost of doing business? Cost of doing business. Yeah. They budget I, for it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they do. Uh, let's hear from the peanut gal- gallery on on what exactly that is. That's very satany. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's satany when you get to the real top, 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 tippity, tip, top, top, tip, top, top, tip, top. <sighs> but everybody's just trying to make a buck. I mean, that's the bottom line: is making a buck. And then when you when you get to the point where money doesn't matter anymore. That's when you get Satan for real. <laughs> you know, when you control money. 
Well, do you uh, do you want to hit some of these clips that, that you got? Sure, sure. So, yeah, we can go through. Uh, yeah, hit uh, clip one for me. The settlement quote lays the framework for billions of dollars to begin flowing into communities across the country for addiction treatment, prevention services, and other steep ex- expenses from the opioid epidemic. Now, in exchange, the states receiving money will not bring any future action against the groups. But many say this agreement doesn't go far enough. Here to weigh in is founder of TheFix.com and program director of the Heavenly Center, Joe Schrank. Joe, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. So break down this uh, agreement for us. Um, why do you think this is, this is a raw deal um, for the victims of these companies? Well, it sounds like a lot of money. It's actually not, right? So $26 billion over 18 years. It's really kind of a slap on the wrist for these pharmaceutical companies that make massive, incredible amounts of money. So there is a byproduct to the products that they deliver and how they amass wealth. It's actually a slap in the face of every grieving family that's lost somebody to an overdose. We're in the peak. Uh, we're in a fever pitch of overdose. We've had 90,000 overdose deaths in 2020. That's the highest on record. This isn't really going anywhere. And so 26 billion sounds like a tremendous amount of money to the average person, and it is, but spread out over 18 states. It doesn't really even cover the additional cost in foster care because so many people have overdosed and left their kids in that system. Gross. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. I didn't even think about that angle. Yeah. Here, let's let's see what clip two. Clip two. I mean, how long do how far or how long do you think this twenty six billion dollars will even go? Like, give us kind of an idea. I mean, it's it's look. It depends what you do with it. Right. So, um, you know, treatment can be expensive. It is significantly less than incarceration. So it's very much time for America to shift to a public health policy rather than any kind of jurisprudence or any kind of incarceration. We're never going to get anywhere with that. So it depends. You know, the D.A.R.E. program has been around for a very long time. It's listed as one of the most ineffective programs Mm -hmm. in the history of drug prevention. And it's very expensive. So it depends what happens with the money, who gets the money, are they going to use it for services, are they going to use it for medication assistance, are they going to use it for mutual aid therapies, those kinds of things. Um, But I think it offers a chance to have a larger question about drug policy in general, because we don't do a very good job of it. If we did, we wouldn't have the body count that we do, and there are ways to integrate it into the health system so that we do have better outcomes. Uh, I'm really glad you criticized the D.A.R.E. program. I remember going through that uh, in middle school. Well, if you're young (laughs) enough for the D.A.R.E. program, it's a ridiculous institution and it should be eradicated. Yeah. So the the five billion couldn't even. So you could you could the five billion could be spread out in so many different ways. It could be diluted. So you could send it into these these uh, no competition bid fucking school government grant programs, you know, where they just fucking throw $350 million per state at a school uh, or per per state at schools and have that state divvy out that 350 million. And by the time that actually gets to the ground level, it's nothing. It's been dissipated. Evaporate. Exactly. I mean, it's really not that much money. It could go towards that or it could go towards 
these government sanctioned 12 step programs or group therapy programs that I, that I talked about earlier, because that really is the entirety of government sanctioned rehabilitation programming is, is either 12 step programs or group therapy. That's it. Those are the options you got. You can either go if you have, if you have medical insurance through your employer or private medical insurance, or through covered Cal- uh, covered California for for where I live, but if you have some sort of government mandate, you know, Obamacare type of thing, you can get, uh, you know, privatized. You can get access to privatized medical services. You can go to your local major hospitals, and you can access their, uh, you know, whatever their chemical dependency programs, and and that a lot of the time is is group therapy sessions and then if you're if you can maybe get like a single one-on-one session which is like a you can see a guy for an hour a week or something and and that is really it and so it could go to that the five billion could be split that way it could be split both ways it could be split even more to other obscure programs it could be spread to awareness programs that don't do anything but they're just basically pr firms yeah, and it they could just be embezzled. Money. It could be embezzled. It could be absconded by by a corporate entity that has a particular grasp on on the the fiscal situation. There's a million ways that that five billion can just disappear, or the twenty billion, or twenty five billion, whatever, over the course of twenty fucking years. So you know, do you think it would be less egregious to pay this? Uh, insultingly low amounts, or to just not pay anything at all? Uh, whatever makes you happy. Well, <laughs> none of it does. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, pick your poison, you know? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, when it comes to health insurance, everybody has to deal with that in their own way. Because I, like, I feel like if they had to pay for nothing, at least, at least everybody in the room acknowledges it, you know? <laughs> well, the idea is that they get, they get this protection, you know they they pay scraps for this protection. It's it's not the money that's the issue. It's it's the fact that it, with this small amount, it's the fact that they get this uh, immunity. The immunity is is the, the bitch. Yeah, immunity. That was the word I was looking for. Not indemnity. Immunity. The the immunity. I mean, just to be able to have this another shield of protection from. I mean, there's three thousand ongoing lawsuits against these guys. And with this little paltry ass little fucking settlement, these guys just squeaked out all those settlements, all, all those lawsuits end overnight. It's like and a, all those families and all these people that were harmed by this. They, it's just, it's over. It's like them. a $5 billion fly swatter. Get out of here. That's it. <laughs> just a, a one patch fix all. What's the, the, you know, the, uh, the infomercial guy. You oh, know. flex tape? Flex tape. He just slaps it on and we're good to go. Fucking five bill. Good to go. We're going to make that back in one, two months. It's not going to be fucking anything. And, and, and with these estimates, by the way, which are completely, completely subjective, completely not based in anything substantial, where you could actually, they don't have access to these guys' accounting records. These guys don't have access to their books. They, they they base this shit off of the paltry information that they get off of stock price, 
PE ratios, anything they can get off of, anything they can get off of maybe like something really high end, like a Bloomberg terminal or something. But at, in the end, it's all third, fourth, fifth hand information that is is muddled and befuddled, and people get paid a lot of money to, to be able to do that in the first place. Pay a lot to obfuscate. Oh my god, that's a hard word. <laughs> yeah, of course. Smart, smart people. You know. Yeah, it, it's crazy. That's why. That's why I brought it up. I brought up the Johnson and Johnson just because. God damn it! Fuck those guys. If you haven't seen the documentary, and I've brought this up, I think before. Have I brought up this before? You know, what I'm about to bring up. Uh, not off the top of my head. One of the heirs of Johnson and Johnson. Oh yes, yes. He this should made a documentary traveling around. He made a documentary. He didn't really travel around, but he—he, he, I mean, people they that rich class travels around anyway. But this, uh, oh god, what was it called? I gotta, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna post it in the chat. It was probably made in the early 2000s. Uh, and it was really fucking awesome. Uh, born rich, born rich, and it's by one of the heirs of Johnson and Johnson and he lives over on the East coast in a super, super ritzy, you know, elitist neighborhood. And, um, he is like at odds with his life. He's coming of age. He's probably like maybe like 19 or 20 years old and he wants to be a filmmaker. He wants to be an artist. He's a very smart, uh, artistic guy, but he, for some reason, I mean, I mean, he's he's very like disturbed by his lifestyle, and the more that he learns about the world, and this is of course the beginning of the inter- internet as we know it in the early two thousands, uh, the more he learns about normal people, the more he kind of, and the older that he gets, the more perturbed he gets by his situation. He doesn't have to work for a living, and nobody else in his family has to work for a living, and they don't have any control over the day-to-day operations of the company itself, of Johnson & Johnson. They merely get a percentage of their profits in perpetuity. They just get a little cut on the side forever because they're the family that started the company. And as long as they keep the family in the fold, they can call it Johnson & Johnson a family company. And they can keep that marketing ploy up. Um, (laughs) Dirty, dirty magic. It's dirty magic, of course. But this is, of course, one of the biggest companies in the world. And this guy is so fucking awesome. He makes this film. He goes around. He films all these people, all these really famous heirs. Uh, Ivanka Trump is in the documentary, a very young Ivanka Trump, like fresh out of high school. And uh, a lot of other people, if you look them up, you know, they're all just from these great, great American families. And he just goes around and he's like, what am I supposed to do? What the fuck am I supposed to do with my life? And all of these people, he goes to these normal people. He goes to the library, he goes to this and there, and he goes and he talks to normal people, and he's like, what am I supposed to do with my life? And a lot of these normal people come up to him and they say, what do you have to worry about? Why, why are you looking for a job? Why are you looking for anything? Just go home. Just enjoy your big fat mansion and, and eat roast beef dinners all day long and just fucking chill out and enjoy your life. But the problem is, is is that that ultimately really doesn't satisfy you. And 
and he's asking his dad. He goes, Dad, how do you do this? And his dad, like, doesn't even, like, he kind of, like, dances around the question. He's a big painter. He kind of, he has all of these, like, little hobbies that he's always doing. He's always occupying himself with these little hobbies. And and his dad's just like, just find a little hobby. Stamp collect. Pick up painting. Pick up this. Pick up that. Whatever. And and he's just like, it's not enough. And this guy just goes, it's just not enough. I don't get it. I don't understand. This, I'm I'm not getting the satisfaction out of life. I'm not getting this, this privilege that I'm supposed to have. I don't relate to anybody. I don't, I don't, you know, except for these douchebags that are materialistic. And I mean, it's just so gorgeous. To me, it's one of the most gorgeous, self-aware, introspective pieces of elite American culture that has ever been produced. And it is so not well known. But, I mean, what more could you ask for in a documentary? I think it uh, should shoot up high on the list, the official BTS watch list. (laughs) I agree. That will be on the list for sure. 2003, wow. 2003, yeah. I'd be curious to see what his take is... uh... With uh, J&J's involvement with the COVID-19 vaccination rollouts. Yeah. I mean, given that, I would be fascinated to know where he is right now. Yeah. What his thoughts. I mean, track the guy down. See if they put him away. Put him in the cellar somewhere. You know? Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, if if you do get the chance to see that. I mean, Johnson & Johnson is just one of those companies like the... Uh, the DuPont family, you know, just certain families that have done a lot of good and have done a lot of harm. <laughs> yeah, I'd you seen know. a Bloomberg, Georgina Bloomberg, it looked like, um, was in the movie as well. Probably related Bloomberg, to- Georgina Bloomberg, so Michael Bloomberg's daughter. And Ivanka Trump and, yeah, a couple other heirs. I mean, if you go through it, you'll see. Uh, highly recommended. Yeah, what is it called again? Born Rich? Mm-hmm. Born Rich by, I think his name is Jamie. Jamie Johnson. If I recall correctly. Yes, that was his name. Yeah, Jamie Johnson. And he would go to these, like, soirees that they would hold where everybody, you know, these social dances, and he would take his camera and he would ask people questions, and they would get so fucking annoyed with him. I mean, they just ostracized the shit out of this guy. He seems just like the coolest guy ever. I, to me, it just seems like, man, if I, if I could have a friend, if you could have one person who could be your friend, who'd it be? This fucking guy, dude. This guy is based as fuck, and he has a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Helicopters are pretty cool. Yeah, so Jamie Johnson, if you're listening, Behind the Schemes, Booberry Lavish, we love you. Thank you very much. Come on our show. Come on our show, Jamie Johnson. Hmm. Hey, I mean, that would be a that would be a hella flex, I think would be the technical term for that one. <laughs> Dude, that would be a mega flex. Not, it would be the biggest. Think how cool that would be. How obscure, how deep a fucking like reference, but also just like given what's going on. It'd be so great to have the Johnson and Johnson air on the show. That would be fucking legit. We should look into this. 
Uh, looks like he, and this is 2018. Um, he's currently got two non-documentary film projects in the works. So know, we maybe. could approach him uh, to promote his documentary, perhaps. That is true. This is very give him true. Twenty bucks. Hey, we'll give you twenty bucks to come on our show. <laughs> I think maybe maybe we should ask him to pay us to come on to the show. <laughs> hey, man, you got a million sitting around in your pocket? Like, eh, you know. No, this guy would be just the most incredible guest. He's incredibly smart guy, and I'd love to love to talk to him. I mean, what a, what a guy to, to be able to talk to right now. Interesting. I'll have to dig around into this a little more, see what's up. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can channel some major uh, sorcerer seat sitter energy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that guy uh, pulls in everybody. But uh, to top this off, uh, I'll, play, I'll skip uh, clip three and I'll just go to clip four. It, it has to do with what I was talking about AA earlier. Joe, I have one final question for you. I mean, are we seeing any good news at all as far as the addiction rates? Are we seeing them go down or are they just steadily climbing? They're steadily climbing. They've steadily climbed throughout the pandemic. All of the data is concerning, to say the least. One of the most concerning things is that the $50 billion a year rehab industry is basically AA indoctrination camp. And it doesn't really do much for people, to be honest. I mean, it's a 3 to 5% success rate. I tell people your chances of success in this kind of treatment are less than getting into Harvard or Stanford. So just to sort of put that into context for you, you know, most of us aren't going to get into Harvard or Stanford, right? And so you have less of a chance of being totally abstinent from all drug use in perpetuity by going to a traditional rehab. You know, at the Heavenly Center, we're trying to give people more options. We're trying to be more realistic about this. We're trying to have this deep in science and logic rather than in morality and rather than an evangelical 12-step approach. With that said... I'm an AA guy, you know, so it's a very difficult thing. <laughs> it's a very difficult thing to find it. What I think is that a recovery is deeply, deeply personal and everybody kind of has to find their own relationship with it. It's almost as if rehab and medicine aren't necessarily a one shoe fits all. That's fascinating. Oh, who knew? Wait, you mean people, even though we kind of look the same and... That most of us have two arms and two legs and are a sack of skin holding moistness together. Moist. Not not everything works the same way for everybody. Uh-huh. And it all has to do with this one part of you that's in your head. And it's got all this blood in it. And it pumps all the stuff. And it gives you all these thoughts and things. And it turns out that it's such a complicated organ that everybody's is kind of different. Yeah. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if we all just, I don't know, thought the same? Well. Behaved the same? It's funny you say that because I know for a fact there's a certain group of people that are thinking that exact thing. And those people have a lot of money. <laughs> the following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. <laughs> do we have any more screams we do um 
Oh, really? Yeah, oh, we nice. we got to <clears throat> we we ended up with a handful of them. Here's a here's a no shit. Here's a shorty. Whoa! Beautiful, oh. beautiful. That's that a, makes me want to scream. I want to scream right now. That's a beast. Oh. <laughs> There's something spooky going around these here parts. And then Beauty. our, our uh, last set of uh, clips. There's a trio of them. They're all from the same number. I think we got a. Uh, Do they go the full three? All three of them. Uh, the first one is a minute, and the last two go the full. So, so that's seven minutes. This is true. I love it. Here we go. <laughs> okay, you challenged me. <laughs> I don't know that I can do it, but I'm going to try. Maybe, a, maybe a few times. So, prepare your ear holes because I might just turn your your fun hole. It's supposed to be a fun hole. Your oral ear hole. <clears throat> yeah, fun hole. A-U-R-A-L. <laughs> I might just turn that from a fun hole. Melt our fun holes. <laughs> don't 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 assume which one's my fun hole. I want you to melt that shit. <laughs> I want you to, to turn your big laser on my fun hole. Bigly. <laughs> Bigly. It's maybe the best laser ever. I hope I wasn't laughing over that one. No, sorry, sorry about that caller. Uh, we can can we rewind? I, I don't know. Take it back. I just I get so excited. This caller's making me so excited. Uh, reverse, enhance, zoom, enhance, zoom, enhance. Ear hole, <clears throat> yeah, fun hole, a u r a l. I might just turn that from a fun hole into a bleeding hole out of your head. Okay, so let me see if I can do that. Oh, shit. <clears throat> I know. Oh, God. This is going to be Gangsta. bad. Gangsta. Gangsta. <laughs> One, two, trace. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> Hold the phone. Breaking news here. Sam Kinison has risen from the dead. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was holding something, and I physically dropped it. Dude, do you feel those goosebumps? I, I'm physically feeling them. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm starting to get the those classic Sam Kinison sweats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those kinds of sweats? <laughs> Must be something in the air. You should drink some water. <laughs> wow. I, I swear to God, I was listening to that. I was holding something. I dropped that thing that I was holding. I was so astruck. <laughs> well, do we uh, do we continue on? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> I hung up. Oh, I'm so fucking chickened out, clearly. Um, yeah, thank you for letting me try that. I can just imagine your fucking reaction right now. Because trying to do Kinnison since you challenged. It's like, what woman would take that up? Just a nut. I'm, <clears throat> I'm a nutball. Uh, <laughs> 
and I'm a, a geekazoid, so you know that I had to try it. I'm sorry if that hurt your ears. It just sounds uh, gnarly from a woman, like not the good gnarly, like literally full of gnarls, barkly. <laughs> Yeah, can you tell I'm no, high? If I didn't get high, I would be crying right now. Oh, so, fuck yeah. I'm fuck a big yeah. pansy, and my heart is broken. Boo-hoo me. I did it to myself. Um, So I'm really Thank enjoying your show. I think intermission's probably over. Oh, it's almost over. I actually called for another reason, and I might inundate you with a third. I'm going to try and do that. How much time do I have? How much time do I have? Oh, um, I think I have about a minute. I didn't time it, so I'll try not to fill you up. <clears throat> you're, you're fun. Fill me up. Fill me up, caller. Anyway, I had uh, a really good time watching 2019's film The Mandela Effect with some pretty, pretty great actors, I think. Actors I've seen in other stuff that I really admired their work. Don't ask me to tell you their names right now um, because, no. And I thought that if you hadn't seen this movie, I think you would be really interested. Obviously, you are familiar, both of you, with the Mandela Effect, and I'm not sure if you dismissed that or if you accept it on some level or if you're still no, questioning. Yeah, but I personally yeah. am very fascinated with this phenomenon and I don't know if you've done a show about it or if you have discussed it on any of your shows. Uh, forgive me. I'm behind in everything perpetually. So, um, yeah, you are. if not, I, I'd like to hear that discussed in the future or just, you know, um, some passing thoughts on it um, or even possibly go into depth on it. And, you know, it's just a request that you, you don't have to do anything I request, obviously. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Whether you ascribe to it or not, that very, I very much feel that because I'm not, I don't think I'm misremembering. Oh, and it cut off right there. All right. All right. So we've got part one. Do, do you have any comments before we progress further? Uh, Mandela effect. I, I agree. It exists. I think that, well, the Mandela effect as I understand it. I should clarify is just, um, revisional memory. You, you kind of remember a historical event in a different way than it actually happened mm -hmm. based on some sort of, um, you know, experience or meme or something. <laughs> I I take it a little more in the fringe side, I suppose. I, I think it's uh, various groups of people tuning in to a different broadcast than what we're getting here. Mm, I like that, too. Because that, yeah. that, that could be part of it as well. Uh, shall we continue? Absolutely. So, uh I'm sorry that I, I made I'm smoke a bowl for quirk I dumped you with voicemails. Um, but I'm not sorry to share this with you. It's just, you know, it's hard for me to be short and sweet like some, I'd say, higher intellects are. 
that I don't want you to be short and sweet. about being so wordy and verbose. And it's true. I am. It's annoying. Love you, quick <laughs> You call in, you take as much time as you need. Oh, I, I text terrible. I text like little mini novellas. It's terrible. It's terrible. And I it's hate good. texting. It's fine. <laughs> I, I really enjoy it. it with the right people. So, as I was saying, I, I really feel I experienced many things about the Mandela effect long before I heard about it that I noticed. And there's a lot of proof showing that either we're in another timeline or, you know, transported to another dimension or whatever it is. Those things, I mean, there's real physical proof showing, no, it was, you know, it things were like this. And it's just like in 1984 when the party is constantly trying to edit history and manipulate history and project this false memory repeatedly just to keep you in a constant state of confusion right. and thusly, uh, you know, a fear state, um, a disorientated state, which is what they're doing, as you know, with sonic warfare and EMF uh, radiation and, you know, brain scrambling signals and just all of the MK Ultra stuff beyond anything we can imagine or fathom yeah. um, on, on such a highly advanced level. I, I, I don't even know if I want to know sometimes, but I do. I do. And I know <laughs> that you too. do too, which is why I love your show so much. Thank you for everything. Booberry, I hope you had a wonderful birthday. And, um, yeah, just thank you because uh, I know that I can say all this to you and you're not going to, mock me and laugh at me and just dismiss me as easily as some others do. We'll laugh with you. Because we're perpetually, you know, free-spirited, fringe-thinking wanderers and Mm. perpetual inquisitors. And we should be inquisitive. We should question consistently, constantly. I'm about to run out of time again, and I'm not calling back a fourth time. Thank you for being patient and understanding, and I hope that you enjoy these calls um, and what I have to share. Uh, in the green room, uh, and I love you guys. Oh, fuck yes, Corcus. We love you too, Corcus. We do love you. Fucking call this number. What you got to say is getting played through here. Four voicemails, five voicemails, it doesn't matter. If you have something you want to say, then you fucking say it. And by the way, she was right about, I mean, it's, it is fringe stuff. People get weirded out when they talk about it. But I am telling you, there has got to be some sort of electromagnetic or radio wave, you know, kind of disturbance with our, our personalities and with our attitudes. There must be a way. And I think that there is uh, some evidence of scientific studies and things that have come been declassified where you can affect people's moods with uh, remote technologies. You can point a gadget at somebody and and alter their um, their you know their functions and their in their attitude. And I, I really don't think that that's a crazy thing. I think that it's science fiction for sure, but I don't think that it's outside the realm of possibility and anybody who does doesn't have an understanding of where we're at right now with technology. Dean Reiner from up is down has touched on that. He he went balls deep on it too. 
Oh yeah, some really good stuff on it. Uh, funny enough, it's a very technical topic, so it's very tough to talk about it without really getting into the nitty gritty of of what exactly you're talking about, what technology, whether it be radio waves or electromagnetism or whatever, whatever you're talking about. I wasn't. If I'm, I'm being not nervous talking about it myself. I don't want people to call in and fucking correct me. <laughs> I uh, I'm not gonna play the clips because we're over over time. Um, but the uh, Graham Hancock versus Richard Dawkins, if I remember correctly, mm. and um, I'm not so good. quite as alert as I was <clears throat> when I found the clip. They talk about getting in people's brain waves with magnets and uh, inducing these like um, transcendent states mm-hmm. almost. Because that really is the next step for for us as as technologically as a species, right? With all of our technical advancement, what's the next step? What's the next big thing that's really going to propel us to the next literal step on the stairway of, of our development? And I think that's the understanding of magnetism and understanding how magnets, more about what magnets can do. That seems to be kind of the, the gist of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> when they talk about, in all those, the conspiracy circles, when they talk about alien technology, they talk about it, it always boils down to electromagnetism. It always boils down to the two most mysterious forces in the world, magnetism and gravity, as as we understand it right now. Hmm. Oh, maybe uh, maybe we can check into it next week. It could be um, something fun to latch on to. But you I- can always call in a physicist. Let's see if we can get a physicist on the uh, on the line. And if you would like to pretend that you're a physicist, you can call 612-263-7999. <laughs> Maybe Bemrose knows some uh, advanced physics. Maybe he'll come on and, and help us out. He he do, he does seem to be really good with math. And, uh, he's a, he's a math man. You're a moth man, but he's a math man. Yeah, I just I I I'm just here for the lamp. <laughs> I'm just here for the sugar treats. Oh, God. Oh, no. Why did I hit the switch again? Jesus Christ. I got the sunburn at the river. It hurts my sunburn. Oh, I'm sorry, bud. Oh, God. Thank you. God, Jesus. I mean, it's beautiful. I don't want to... I actually feel bad. Actually, turn it back on. No... Dude, there's, I can't, I like, you know, I like fun hole ice cream. That's a little too much fun hole ice cream. Uh, I, I forgot. It's been a minute since, uh, since we drug out that Kirby vacuum from the cellar. I think, I think I even saw it with a wig on. Malachi is doing some weird shit. With, I, I don't even know what's going on. It's getting real fucking, you know, it's, it's, it's starting to get a late night around here, you know what I mean? Yeah, because we're one of those late night shows, and I should probably, yeah. uh, I should go find that clip now that I think about it. I should get that. That would be a good one to get. Um, but I think, other than that, that wraps us for this episode. What what say you? I would say in the green room to Servo, thank you for producing the show and for being one of our top dogs. And I'd also say, yeah, I think it's time to go 
and call it. Mm, I love it. This has been a fun episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out in the green room. Corcus, Dark Lord Arcade, Mama Berry, Servo, Sir Sir Seat 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 Sir. And uh, anybody who isn't fucking in the chat room, there are a lot of people listening that aren't in the chats. Thank you too. Sorry oh. to interrupt. I, just, I love those guys too. No, I, I got you. I got you. I got you. It's good times. Mm. Uh, I don't know what we got lined up next week, but all I do know is we'll be back here, same time, same place. BadRadio.live. That's right. Loveislit.com. Behind the schemes with threes for ease. Um, and also, I'm going to report next week on my meetup, which I'm going to have in Healdsburg at the winery that JCD and his wife fucking set up. So I'm going to go there and get wine drunk with JCD and report on it on next week's show. So tune in and check in and see what, what how I embarrassed myself in front of JCD. I cannot wait. Yeah. Well, until next time, I'll be Booth, uh, Boo, 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 Booberry, Mothman Booth of the Mini Man of the Barberry Mini. Sorry, how do you mean? I'm Mothberry, <laughs> Boob Man <laughs> of the Mini Ocalypse. <laughs> Boob Man of the Ass Man Ocalypse. Ocalypse, I think, would be the more appropriate term. Ocalypse, it's Ocalypse, baby. All right. Take two. I'm Booberry Mothman in the Minneapolis, and I'll catch you next time. And I am uh, coming in from the left coast, and my name is Lavish. Job less. Take it easy. Find the schemes. Loveislit.com. Go there, check it out, listen. Loveislit.com. Yes, or loveislit.com. <laughs> <laughs> Lavish. Could be Lavash. Could be LaGrange. Could be LaGrange. Boobery wants some action. Big bad radio. Oh fuck! You're gonna make me scream! Hey man, if you don't get behind the schemes, the schemes will get behind you. Behind the schemes with Booberry and Lavish? And lavish, uh, just uh, motor boating a bunch of boobies. Oh, yeah, behind the scenes. This is behind the scenes, the esoterica of your dreams. <laughs>